Welcome in to another episode of the Double Dupe Sports Podcast, episode 14 of season four, recording here on a Wednesday night in College Station, Texas, the first of what should be five December episodes. I'm your host, Tyler Dubnik. Please be joined, as always, by my co-host and twin brother, Austin Dubnik. Austin, how are you doing this evening? Doing wonderful, Tyra. I'm happy to be here with you once again on this Wednesday evening. Happy to get into some great action here, uh, breaking down uh, Championship Saturday in college football and a lot of great NFL action as well. So really excited to dive into it. And how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Not as much uh, of an NFL slate, not as great as it was last week, I don't think, by the competitive nature of it, but definitely the college football slate is going to be very exciting to dive into and discuss. Um, thanks for listening. As always, you can subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you guys listen to our podcast. Certainly appreciate it when you guys do that. And you can follow us on social media. If you don't already, you can find me on Instagram at DupeAggie7 and on Twitter at TDupe25. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Doopy underscore Austin and on Instagram at AU underscore Doopy 10. And of course, at this point in the uh, in the season, everything is quite repetitive in these stages of the episodes. So as always, we have not been posting on there like the actual like like uh, like promotions and stuff like that outside of just when the episode comes out. But that's all right. You can still follow us there if you want to. We certainly advise that if you ever need to know anything podcast related, certainly those are the handles to follow us on. So please follow us there. Definitely. It's going to be a, a fun final month of 2021, I think. We have, you know, like I said, maybe five more episodes. We've heard a lot of episodes of the DDSP here in 2021, and we got some more coming up here this month. This is the first of uh, the December episodes, and so let's get into it with the College Football Conference Championship game picks and betting advice. Of course, the crossover parlays yet again will come at the end of the NFL uh, picks. So uh, as for our records, last week we had those two bonus games, so my record was 7-5 and five last week to bring my overall college football record up to 78 and 56 yeah and my, conf- my is, that, is that right 79 and 56 that's like 78 and 56 is that correct or did i well i mean for me i have less games than that so i don't know if i did something wrong or or if you did something wrong but we'll get that ironed out at some point uh, i was uh, seven and five last week in my game picks uh, in college football just like you we had those two bonus games that we had on there so definitely made sure that we had that we included those and i and i think i wrote 79 and 53 maybe i made a mistake on this front but uh, at any rate that's where we're at and i guess we'll try to get that straightened up you're good so let me i'll check here in just a second while you pick this first game yeah, I was gonna say I think I'm good. My ESPN fantasy says seventy six and fifty four, so I added those those two games. Actually, I added two games by accident, so I I am wrong. Seventy seven and fifty five. I don't know why I added two games each. So uh, seventy seven and fifty five for me. So you're still what two games ahead of me? Yeah, I'm seventy nine and fifty three. As I said, we were both seven and five last week, and so I was right, and you were the one who instead of you know adding one and one, that's what you should have done. You made a mistake there, but it's all good. We got all straightened out, straightened out now. Good to see. We record this podcast, right? We record it, but we still want to treat it like it's live. So treat it like I was live television, guys. We're working through some things right there. So now let's get into it. First game on the slate, the Conference USA Championship game between Western Kentucky and number 22 UTSA. The Roadrunners lost their first game of the season last week to uh, North Texas. It wasn't a very good game for the Roadrunners. They got smoked on the road up there in Denton. So not a good game for UTSA after they were looking for their undefeated season. Uh, Now they get to host, though, Western Kentucky in this Conference USA championship game which is still an exciting opportunity for such an upstart program that's had such a great season uh, but with that being said I'm going to go with Western Kentucky in this one they're actually favorites by three points their quarterback Bailey Zapps had a terrific season thrown for nearly 5,000 yards and 52 touchdowns um, they put up a lot of numbers over their Western Kentucky I picked them last week uh, I can't remember exactly who they were playing but I believe you picked the other team I know they won that game big so they scored a lot of points it was, I think it was Marshall or something like that they were playing and Western Kentucky put up a bunch of points and beat them pretty good so I think that's kind of what we see 
in this one. It's going to be a high-scoring game. The over-under is 73, but I just really like this Roadrunners offense. Uh, my bigger part is Hilltoppers offense, obviously, is why I'm picking Western Kentucky to win. I think they'll be able to outscore them. Uh, a shootout, though, for sure, and uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch. These, these two teams played earlier this season. UTSA won by six points, like 52-46, to 46, so I don't know if we'll see that many points again, but it should be a fun one to watch, and I'll go with Western Kentucky. Yeah, it certainly should be a really high-scoring game, and I think both both offenses are very talented for sure. Uh, you, you know, mentioned UTSA losing last week. That kind of almost seemed like it was going to come eventually because they had been winning some close games and were kind of living on the edge a little bit, and then they all came to fruition right there. They just didn't play a very good game, it, it would appear. Uh, but I think they're going to come back home in this game, and you know, this is something they haven't had to deal with this year so far is, is how you how they're going to come off of a loss. But I think that they are a great team. They're well-coached. I think UTSA will uh, get back on track this week after the loss, uh, get things straightened out, watch the film, study up on it, and they get to host this game, which I think is important for them. They did win the only matchup these two, they did win the uh, matchup these two teams had earlier this season, as you mentioned, 52 to 46. So I think they have what it takes to make it happen again. I am worried about, you know, this game though, because Western Kentucky has a great offense. They are favored in this game because of that and because of what they did last week against Marshall. But I still think UTSA overall has shown me a lot this year and I want to go with the Roadrunners in this game. Our next game here is the Pac-12 Championship. Also on Friday evening, we have number 10, Oregon, at number 17, Utah. Of course, the game being played in Las Vegas. Uh, this one is a rematch from a couple of weeks ago when we saw Utah absolutely dismantle Oregon. They lost 38-7 to in that game as Utah hosted that one and was just dominant defensively in the running game. And just overall, they played their brand of football to perfection and really uh, beat the brakes off of Oregon. But I think this game will be certainly, I think, more competitive. Uh, Utah last week, I think they beat Colorado, was it? I believe last week is that correct and I know Oregon they won the Civil War against Oregon State so both teams uh, coming into this game uh, after a win uh, I think it'll be a really competitive game I think Oregon will be able to make corrections from whatever happened the last time around and certainly it's going to be a closer game and I, I'm going to go with Oregon in this one because I think it's hard to beat a team twice in the same season now you're saying okay you just picked UTSA to do that and you'll see here in a little while that there's a handful of games on here between teams that have already played this season where I'm picking the same team that won the prior time to win again but I think that being that they played each other so closely being that Oregon and Utah just faced off a couple of weeks ago. I think that makes things a little more tricky for Utah to win again against Oregon. I think we, and I think we saw a couple years ago when Oregon and Utah faced off of the Pac-12 championship, Oregon got the best of them. Now it was a couple years ago with Justin Herbert and company, so this is a different team. But I think Oregon's well coached. I think they're going to make the proper corrections against Utah and at least be, and it will at least be a better game. But I think at this time around, I think Oregon comes out on top and wins the Pac-12 yet again was Utah, right? That came, they got the best of Oregon a couple of years ago, I believe. I thought it was the Utes that had won that Pac-12 championship game, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm wrong. Either way, I know you're going with Oregon in this one, and I'm going to go with Oregon as well. Um, I know I picked Utah a couple weeks ago to win that game, and they did very convincingly, but I felt like Utah kind of put everything they had into that one. Um, it was a home game. It was a lot of an excitement, a big environment. This one's in Las Vegas, so you probably get a more mixed crowd, certainly for the Pac-12 championship game. I just felt like uh, Oregon's not going to get embarrassed like that again, right? And they were super impressive last week. I know it was just one game, but it was really uh, impressive to see what they did against their rival You know, in the Civil War in Oregon State. They were dominant defensively. They ran the ball really well. Anthony Brown made some plays in the passing game. They just really controlled that game right from right from the jump and then ended up blowing out the Beavers. So that was impressive. Utah, I mean, they didn't, they haven't done anything wrong, right? They've still been really good. They've won a lot of games uh, this season. They've been on a run over the last, you know, month, two months and a half, whatever, you know, two, two and a half months or so. I don't know how many games they won in a row. I believe they're on a winning streak still. So they've been great too. So it's not really about Utah. It's just the fact that I think Oregon's going to come more prepared to play this game and they can match up a little bit better this time around. And I feel like Anthony Brown really struggled that last time they played. I think he'll play a lot better 
in this game. I think he'll make more plays. I think they'll be able to run the football uh, better than they did last time. Their defense should match up better. And just, it's good, like you said, it's kind of an NFL feel because it's like two of the last three weeks now that they're going to be playing each other, which just makes, makes things a little more complicated. Oregon's only a three-point underdog, so I do like the opportunity to go upset right here uh, with the Ducks in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, and it was Oregon that won a couple of years ago because Utah has never, they haven't won the Pac-12 since they've been in it. It it would appear I'm on Pac-12.com right now looking at the uh, prior champions of the conference and Utah's not on here since they joined the Pac-12. So it was Oregon a couple of years ago that really took it to the Utes in the Pac-12 championship. And Oregon's actually won the last two Pac-12 championships in the past two seasons. So we both think they're going to make it three in a row. And I think the big thing too is really just, it's a neutral field. I think the environment really made things difficult for Oregon. I just don't think they're going to be able, I think they're going to be more sound defensively not going to give up a big punt return touchdown right before halftime. And I think that they will make the proper corrections, as I said, to be more competitive at the very least. And for me, I think they're going to do enough to actually win the game, just like you. Now that you mentioned it, yeah, because they were in the, they were in the uh, Rose Bowl that year against Wisconsin. So I don't know why I thought. I think Utah was favored in that game, and I had picked Utah, and Oregon kind of came in there and kind of beat, beat the brakes off of them a little bit or controlled the game. And so that was kind of disappointing. So maybe Utah gets the best from this time. Maybe Kyle Whittingham finally gets that Pac-12 championship for the Utes. But uh, the Ducks have been here before, and it was kind of uh, that punt return. That's not going to happen again, like you said. Uh, it just uh, it was just not their night, right? So I think Oregon comes in more prepared this time and finds a way to get a win. But, hey, it's going to be a great game to watch Friday night there in Las Vegas. Moving on now to the Saturday slate of games. Obviously, all the rest of the conference championship games on Saturday, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch. We start with the Big 12 championship, number nine, Baylor at number five. Oklahoma State, of course, not a road game technically. I say at because Oklahoma State's going to be the uh, home team in this matchup, but it's in Arlington, of course, uh, AT&T Stadium, where the Big 12 championship game is always played. Oklahoma State coming off a win in Bedlam for the first time since 2014 when they beat Oklahoma last week, 37-33. to It was a really wild game with a lot of turnovers and some crazy moments. Uh, Baylor, meanwhile, did not have Gary Bohannon last week. They have uh, Shapen, their quarterback, now the backup, and he played well against Texas Tech, but that's a Red Raiders defense that doesn't really offer a whole lot of challenges, and Baylor snuck away uh, with a three-point win there in Waco to finish their season with 10 wins. So great season for Dave Aranda. They get to be in the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State. Of course, the Cowboys have had a terrific season. We know how great their defense is. Their offense really showed they could put up some points, too, last week. So good to see Oklahoma State finding ways to win games in different ways. Um, so I like Oklahoma State in this game. They've just been so good this season and honestly uh, they know what's at stake if they win this game there's a pretty good chance they get into the postseason you know in, in the, the college football playoff obviously because you know Alabama is probably not going to win against Georgia we get to pick that game later and so that's kind of what you're looking at here is Oklahoma State wins this game um, you know if Alabama loses they have a chance to get in so that's it's kind of like a win and you're in type of situation so great opportunity for Oklahoma State here I think it's gonna be a tough test whether Bohannon plays or not he's if he does play he probably won't be 100% with that hamstring injury if Shapin plays you know it's a young quarterback still facing a really tough defense so I think Oklahoma State they're just going to make things difficult on Baylor's offense double to do enough offensively maybe a lower scoring game but hard to pinpoint exactly what's going to happen in this game I just feel like the Cowboys are the better team and they'll put it together and find a way to get a win yeah, I agree. I think that Oklahoma State's defense is just going to be too much for Baylor if it's shaping it quarterback or if it's Gary Bohannon. Either way, I don't know if Baylor is going to be able to generate enough offense to be able to win this game because I think their offense has been decent at times this year, but that's certainly not the street of their team. I certainly feel like their defense has been the main, one of the main reasons why they've been so good this season. So I think that overall they're going to struggle to generate a lot of offense against that tough Oklahoma State defense. And for the Cowboys, they'll find a way to go out there and put up enough points. We saw what they can do on offense last week, and they've had... Uh, 
a handful of games this season where they've scored a lot of points. Even though their offense isn't their strong suit either, they have a, a more capable offense than Baylor does. So I agree. I think Oklahoma State, uh, they'll be able to win this game. And they beat Baylor earlier this season, 24-14. to 14. That was a, a while ago. I think we could see a similar score in this one. Everything shapes out the way you think it would. And I think I agree with you about Oklahoma State kind of knowing what's at stake here. And I think they're going to be able to go out there and make it happen. And I agree. I think Oklahoma State will win the Big 12 championship. Yeah, I just want to say real fast, I know I mentioned the Baylor quarterback situation and they have a good running game so if there's a way they can try to win this game they need to get the run game going that's tough against this Oklahoma State defense to, to establish the run so that's certainly these teams are kind of built similarly I think with their defense being the better part of their team so we'll see who can score more points we both think Oklahoma State is going to be the team to come out on top yeah, I definitely like the Cowboys to win their 12th game of the season on Saturday. And the next game here is the MAC championship between Kent State and Northern Illinois. Kent State last week getting a narrow victory over Miami, Ohio to win their division in the MAC and face Northern Illinois in this game. Uh, both offenses, talented groups here in this one. The over-under at 74.5 should be a really high-scoring game. Earlier this season, Kent State defeated Northern Illinois 52-47, to which is actually an eerily similar score to the UTSA Western Kentucky game we talked about earlier from earlier this season. So, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't really, you know, know a lot about these two teams, you know, either way, just because obviously it's a smaller conference, but we're still going to pick it because it's one of the conference championships. Uh, but we did pick Kent State last week. They certainly have a capable offense, and apparently Northern Illinois does too. Um, Kent State is a three-point favorite in this game, despite having one less win than Northern Illinois. And I'm going to go with the Golden Flashes in this one, just based on what I saw, just based on uh, looking at some of the stats from the last game that they played against uh, each other. I just think that overall it's going to be a shootout in this one. But I think Kent State. State once again finds a way to get the win over Northern Illinois. Yeah, it's a, it's a MAC championship, you know, in Ford Field. So it's it's always good. usually a pretty intriguing one. You know, a lot of these both these teams play a lot of their games in the middle of the week, so they actually get to play on a Saturday morning, which is going to be interesting. So, um, yeah, Kent State, we both picked up, or I picked them last week. I can't exactly remember who they were playing, but they won in overtime, I think 48-47. to 47. So a really high-scoring win for Kent State last week. Uh, their offense has been scoring a lot of points lately. I did a little bit of research just to see where these teams have been trending lately, and I want to say Northern Illinois hasn't been scoring as much. So that's kind of where I lean here again with the offense. Just feeling like the Golden Flashes are going to be able to score more points. Uh, the Northern Illinois. So that's kind of, like I said, don't know a ton about these teams. We've learned a little bit more lately. We got to pick Kent State last week, at least I did, like I said. So they, they, they were able to come through for me last week, just like, you know, Western Kentucky did. So I kind of lean that way again. Think Kent State can score enough points to uh, to win this game, win the MAC. So uh, hopefully they do get the job done there for my sake and for yours because we both picked them to win. Uh, next here we have Utah State at number 19, San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. So uh, the Aztecs, terrific season, right? 11-1, and one, they get to host this game, and I think they're going to win it. Uh, I don't know much about Utah State. They clearly had a good season, 9-3, and three, but I don't think we picked any of their games this year. I don't know a lot about that program. Any players in particular I should be focusing on? I didn't do a ton of research on this one just because I felt like when I got to this pick, I thought there was no way I was going to pick against San Diego State because we've had them a couple of times, and they're just a really sound football team, play great defense, and, and usually scored up points to win a lot of games. They've clearly, clearly done that this season, being 11-1. The overrunner is 50, so I feel like probably a little more of a low-scoring game, but a fair amount of points. So overall, San Diego State's had a great season. I feel like they'll finish it the right way. Yeah, I agree. We've had San Diego State on here several times. Really, they've been a nice team, a nice team to pick later in the uh, later in the slate. And I think San Diego State's off. I mean, defense is really the calling card. We've talked about here several times. Their defense is really the strength of their team, and they've been a big reason why they've won 11 games because their offense hasn't always been super explosive, but they've kept them in the game. Their defense has, and their offense has been able to do enough to win a lot of these games. You know, like you said, they only lost one game that was against Fresno State earlier this year. They actually didn't play Utah State, so we've seen a lot of these teams on here have already played each other earlier this season. 
season. This is one where these two teams haven't squared off yet, which is kind of nice because they don't really know each other that well yet, but they'll uh, get an idea here pretty soon. So I think it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Certainly it's a, one of the larger lines out of all of them that are on here. Of course, these are all pretty tight games, but a six-point favorite are the uh, the Aztecs, and I do think that San Diego State will find a way to finish the season strong here when, and win their conference uh, by, by taking care of business against Utah State. So I agree. I'm going to go with the Aztecs, too, in this one. Uh, our next game here is Appalachian State at number 24, Louisiana. This is the Sun Belt Championship. Appalachian State 10-2 and this season. They've uh, been on a good run here lately. They've won a handful of games in a row and actually haven't lost since the last time they played the Raging Cajuns when they lost pretty handily uh, against the uh, against Louisiana. I think it was like 41-13 to earlier this season. So that's interesting, and that's certainly something that kind of swayed my pick here. Uh, Louisiana, they've won 11 games in a row. They haven't lost since the opening game against Texas earlier this season. So uh, they're on a, they've obviously done really well this season for themselves. Surprisingly, though, despite hosting this game and being 11-1 and to uh, Appalachian State's 10-2, they're actually three-point underdogs in this game. I think it's mainly because their offense maybe isn't as explosive, maybe doesn't have a lot of the same kind of weapons. And I know looking at some of the stats and stuff, it is a little bit concerning. You know, on paper, statistically, I think Appalachian State's a little bit better than Louisiana. But I think based on what we saw earlier this season when Appalachian State played a visit to the Raging Cajuns over there in Louisiana, they, they obviously got beat handily. So perhaps Louisiana could do that again. I think they will. Maybe not to the same extent as that game because they handled them pretty good. But I do think that Louisiana is going to find a way to get it done when their 12th game of the year, just like San Diego State and UTSA, I think will. And they'll win the Sun Belt Conference. This is another pick that I felt just like San Diego State. Pretty simple. I didn't want to overthink it too much. Kind of surprised like you were at their underdogs in this game. The other head coach, Billy Napier, is going to be going to Florida to be their new head coach. But you said that he's going to coach this game and going to finish this one out with his program, which is good because he's he's really built this program up the last couple of years. And they were good last year and they were good again this year. So he did a good job um, with Louisiana. So it's it's good that, to hear that he's going to be able to finish the job here. And because of that, I feel confident they'll be able to win this football game. You know, Appalachian State, I remember seeing them upset uh, Coastal Carolina earlier this season. So that was probably the biggest one they've had on their uh, their resume so far this season. And Louisiana, their probably biggest win was, you know, destroying Appalachian State earlier this year, like you mentioned. So both these teams, you know, won double-digit games, have some big wins. It's going to be a good one uh, to see what happens when it's all said and done on Saturday. But yeah, at home, I think Louisiana will take care of business. And they're ranked team for a reason. Good to see that. So I do like number 24, Louisiana at home to win the Sun Belt. They'll finish it out the right way, just like the Aztecs. All right, four games left. We get to get uh, we get to the the meat on the bone here for sure. We get the SEC championship game. Of course, number one Georgia at number three Alabama. So Georgia comes into this game undefeated. The first time they've ever been undefeated in the regular season going to the SEC championship, I believe. So it's been a great season, obviously for the Bulldogs, just as I predicted. Uh, they destroyed Georgia Tech last week. Alabama, meanwhile, had to sneak away with a four overtime win against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. They were getting shut out ten nothing, and they didn't score until the fourth quarter. They scored at the very end of the game to bring into over overtime and then they ended up winning the first overtime game in Iron Bowl history like I said four overtimes 24-22 so really wild uh, game there certainly Alabama nearly getting upset by Auburn who finishes the season 6-6 six and six. so you wouldn't expect that so Alabama not necessarily playing their best football coming into this game and we know Georgia has been playing terrific football all season long so I don't think this game is going to be particularly close I like Georgia in this one pretty big actually 
Uh, their defense is just so so darn talented. We know that. And I know Bryce Young might present some challenges. I know Jamison Williams missed most of that game against Auburn, which which was obviously upsetting for them because that's what their offense, you know, he's been really good for them this year. So that didn't help their offense at all in that game. So I just feel like Georgia, though, that will score enough points. The Alabama team just isn't the same this year. They've had a lot of close calls. So if you just watch the games, you know that's the case. So at the end of the day, Georgia's built for this moment. You know, you always hear all the time on that college football playoff rankings, you know, prelude to the actual episode, you know, Kirby Smart to sound by, you know, you're, you're either a leader, you're not. Well, we know Georgia's elite. They've been the most elite team all season long, the most dominant team in college football all season long. It's this is the biggest game they've had all season. They're going to show it on Saturday afternoon in Atlanta. So I like Georgia big in this one, 41-17 Bulldogs. Yeah, I think this is one that it's kind of like a little more easy to pick than you would think. I mean, because like I think Alabama just, I mean, they've set the bar so high for themselves that even as 11 and 1 and number 3 in the nation, just watching them play this year, they haven't been as good. You know, they obviously lost a game, which is not something they do very often. Lost to our Aggies, which in retrospect was kind of not a great loss because we were actually 8 and 4 this year. So I'm not, I still don't know how we pulled that off. And then obviously they've had a bunch of close calls against Arkansas and Auburn and, you know, a bunch of teams. You know, I guess one of their best ones was against Ole Miss. And when you look back at it, they actually handled them pretty good. But they just haven't the same team this year as far as just being dominant and uh, excuse me <laughs> about as far as just being dominant and blowing teams out of the water so and then you look at Georgia they've been outstanding against teams that are good you know a couple of teams that were at the times were like some big games against Kentucky and Arkansas and they just blew them out of the water so they've been so impressive this year so far obviously this is their most impressive team that they've played still because I'm not saying Alabama's bad they're just not as good as they have been I don't think they're as good as Georgia and I just when I look at this game I don't think that Alabama's going to be able to do enough offensively when I've seen them struggle last week against Auburn like that was kind of red flag and I think that Georgia they haven't allowed a team to score more than 17 points this year and I don't think they're going to allow Alabama to score more than 17 either I think that overall Georgia's defense will continue to shut teams down they've been so great this year and I think they're going to hold Alabama in check I think Alabama scores 17 points but Georgia scores 34 because their offense is going to be able to do enough again they've ran the ball really well this year sets and Bennett's done a good job for them and people say he's a game manager and he kind of is a little bit but he also makes plays with his legs and he knows, and he knows his role and he does a great job with it so overall I think Georgia's you know, been playing so great all year long they look like Alabama this year you know the way they played on both sides of the ball so I think this is Georgia's year I think they're going to get it done 34 to 17 like I said and that's that's what I'm thinking and you have them 41 to 17 so very close scores actually which is pretty cool the next game here is number 21, Houston at number four, Cincinnati. This is actually in Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium. This is the AAC championship game. Uh, pretty exciting stuff here because Cincinnati right now ranked number four in the college football playoff rankings. If they win this game, almost certainly will be able to get into the college football playoff and be the first group of five team to ever do that. So that's pretty awesome for them. Uh, but obviously they have to win the game first and they have a tough uh, test here with Houston who's won 11 straight games. Uh, their only loss was in the season opener against Texas Tech, which which is kind of interesting looking back at it. Uh, but they've been a great team. Their offense has been fantastic this year. And so they're going to really bring it to Cincinnati. You're going to give them a great test. But I think we're going to see a similar game to what we saw when Cincinnati hosted SMU a couple of weeks ago, where I think Cincinnati's defense has really been good for them over the past couple of years. They've been good this year too. I think the Bearcats defense will find a way to contain Houston, hold them down a little bit, keep them in check. And offensively, they're going to find a way to make it happen. Of course, Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Obviously, he has been so great for that program. And I think he's going to have a big game for them and they know what's at stake they know what they can do here and I'm not going to let the moment be too big for them I think Cincinnati goes out there plays a great game on both sides of the ball with that home crowd behind them they get the job done they win the AAC again and they will at that point hopefully and almost certainly like I said be in the college football playoff which is awesome
Yeah, if they don't win, if they win this game and they're not in the playoff, you know something's wrong, and they're probably about to expand, which is good because that would be really, uh, really unfortunate. But there's pretty much, like you said, almost no doubt. You know, as long as everything holds the way we feel like it's going to hold, Georgia wins, Cincinnati wins, you're in the playoff, Bearcat fans, which is going to be really fun to see a group of five team finally get in. They've earned it, right? They've earned. They've had some help as well to get to this point, but they've won all their games, and I think they're going to win this last one just like you do to get to 13 or no. You, you kind of nailed it on the head, honestly, with everything you said. Uh, Houston probably does bring a similar offense a little bit to SMU. They're going to try to score some points, obviously, with that offense to try to outscore Cincinnati because it's probably the only way they can do it. The overrunner is 53, which I thought might be higher, but I'm not really sure because I haven't watched Houston a lot, even though they're really good. Uh, but you would just assume uh, that they would build up, you know, you know, score a lot of points, like you said. So, But Cincinnati's defense have been so good. They shut down SMU. They can run the football well with Jerome Ford. We know Desmond Ritter is a baller, and he can do a lot of great things. He just really leads that football team. You know, I remember when he was a younger player, you know, we, we didn't know a lot about him at that point. He's really grown and become a much better quarterback. And that's a big reason why they were so good last year. And they've been obviously so dynamic this year as well. So uh, this is a great moment for Cincinnati, a great opportunity rather. And I think they'll make it a great moment by getting a win and winning the American uh, Athletic Conference and, and getting a chance to go to the playoff, hopefully, if everything shakes out the way it should. And they're already in there right now. So it's, I mean, if they win, they should be in. So hopefully we keep, we, we want to say it with more certainty, but we're never really sure with the playoff, but it certainly feels that way. So I like the Bearcats too here at home to win the AAC and likely get into the playoff. Two more games now. We get the Big Ten Championship game, which uh, not necessarily what people expected, I don't think. But we got number two, Michigan, at number 13, Iowa. Yes, Michigan number two because they finally exercised those demons. They beat Ohio State 42-27 in the game last week in Ann Arbor. They stormed the field as they should. It was a great effort, a great game by the Wolverines. They won that game for the first time against Ohio State since 2011, I believe. So, I mean, Hassan Haskins in that running game, that offensive line for Michigan, unbelievable. He had five touchdowns. The offensive line paved the way all day. Ohio State just got out physicaled. We saw that, you know, full four quarter game. It was a, you know, kind of it was a cold game, snow flurries early on, and Michigan was just ready to go right off the bat. So and it was a super impressive performance by those guys. So a really great win for Michigan, really great win for Jim Harbaugh, finally getting that monkey off his back and beating Ohio State. And now just like that, they jump up to number two. They get a berth in the Big Ten Championship game for the first time in program history, which is super exciting for those guys. And they get to take on Iowa, who had to get some help to get in. And they took care of their business. They beat Nebraska uh, on Friday. Friday, and then they saw you know Minnesota beat Wisconsin for Paul Bunyan's axe on Saturday, so that was able to get them into this Big Ten championship game, and now they have to face Michigan, who's rolling right now, only lost one game all year to Michigan State, so trying to set the storylines here uh, coming into this game. Um, in Indianapolis, of course, Lucas Oil Stadium. So I like Michigan in this one. I feel like there's just too much offense here, right? You always worry about letting them down, you know, a team coming off such an emotional win, such a huge win for that program, one of the biggest wins they've had in recent memory for sure. But it's the Big Ten Championship game, so you can't let down too much. They're going to be ready to go in this one for sure. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to have this team ready to roll because that's the way they've been all season long. It's been a different Michigan team this year, and that's why they're sitting on the cusp of the college football playoff and have a real chance to do something special here. So Iowa, we know they've been good lately. They've After they had that little two-game lapse or whatever it was, and I think, I'm pretty sure they lost two games in a row, right? And then they were able to finish the season strong, 10 wins, season, great season for Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa program, but I just don't think they have enough. Their defense can keep them in a little bit, but their offense just won't be able to score enough points. Uh, so Michigan will lean on Haskins, and, and, and McNamara's been playing good at quarterback as well. They just got something good going on there right now with the Wolverines, so I like Michigan to win the Big Ten championship game.
And perhaps Michigan could thank us a little bit for helping them get that win because, I mean, we sat here and said that, you know, Ohio State was going to do it again. I know me. I put them on. I put Ohio State covering minus eight on the parlay. So, you know, I think I was a part of it. You know, obviously it was going to go the other way. And I said the Ohio State was going to win by 10 to 17 points, and it was Michigan who won by 10 to 17 points. So I've had a good little run lately of, of saying everything, and then everything the opposite happened. So maybe I put a small role in Michigan finding a way to happen, make it happen. But, I mean, like you said, they just absolutely, uh, you know, really dominated that game for the most part. They just ran the ball so well their offensive line uh, was just the really the key there and Hassan Haskins was fantastic but they just really ran the ball with Will uh, and really to the outside a lot they really just gashed them on the edges of the defense so it was really fantastic and certainly as a football fan I'm happy for Michigan to finally get that monkey off their back as you said and finally beat Ohio State again and to do it at home behind that huge crowd and all of that stuff and it was really a great atmosphere it was awesome to see them make that happen and certainly helps out a lot of things because I think it clears up some of the picture a little bit which is nice and obviously puts them in a great position to make the college football playoff if they win this game which I think they will as you said uh, it's interesting that you talked about the offense for Michigan because yeah they do have a good offense but I was more looking at their defense in this game I just don't know how many points Iowa can score against Michigan's defense because that's usually kind of the street that their team or at least I think it is uh, although at this point in the season I think their offense has been really good too especially if they can run the ball again like they did against Ohio State uh, but I really look at the defense more than anything and just think that Michigan's going to keep Iowa in check and I just don't see Iowa scoring a lot of points because their offense just isn't good enough for me I just don't think they're going to have a lot of success success on that side of the ball, especially after we saw what Michigan did last week against Ohio State, because for the most part, they hold them in check. They were able to do a good job. Even though Ohio State put up 27 points, they weren't. They didn't have a lot of those explosive plays. They didn't do a lot of great things like they're accustomed to. So I think Michigan's going to keep Iowa, you know, contained on the on the offensive side of the ball. And then I guess, like you said, offensively, Michigan, they can play as well as they did against uh, Ohio State. They can win this game maybe pretty big. Uh, and certainly, I feel like uh, Michigan's the better team. And I just think that Iowa can maybe keep it close early on. But again, their offense just isn't good enough. So I think Michigan's going to make it happen. They're going to find a way to win this game, win their 12th game of the year, win the Big Ten, and then at that point be in the college football playoff. I don't want to talk. I don't want to add on too much. They already talked a lot earlier with this one, but yeah, Aiden Hutchinson had a huge game too uh, against Ohio State for Michigan. I think he became the. Uh, uh, all-time leader for a season. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to say that, but he he's leading the Big Ten in sacks right now and he's having a terrific season. I think 13 sacks now, which is which is terrific for him. And then Josh Ross is a great linebacker for Michigan as well. So I, I did mention that Iowa can, can keep in can hang in the game with their defense, but they won't be able to score enough points. That's because Michigan's defense is really good. It's a terrific football team. So well balanced. Would have been so great all year long. Yeah, they finally put it all together, which is great to see for that program. They got over the hump last week against Ohio State. Now, can they finish the Big Ten Championship, get to the college football playoff? We both think that they will. So, lastly, here, number 15, Pittsburgh at number 16, Wake Forest in the ACC Championship. And all I can say about this one is I'm expecting a lot of points between these two teams because I had Wake Forest on here several times. We all know about their high-flying offense, how many points they can put up each and every week. But Pittsburgh's basically the same way. I think Kenny Pickett's about to break the record for most passing touchdowns uh, in ACC history. For a single season, I think he has like one more or two more to pass to Sean Watson for that uh, for that honor. So that's pretty cool for him. And so yeah, I mean Pittsburgh's offense as much as much as we talked about Wake Forest's offense. That's only because they've been on the part on the podcast several times. But Pittsburgh's offense is very good too. And we know the Wake Forest defense is not very good. Uh, so I think Pittsburgh's going to have a way to have going to have an opportunity to score a lot of points in this game. Um, I am going with the Demon Deacons in this one, but it's kind of a bold pick, even though they're only three point underdogs, because I just really don't have a lot of faith in their defense. And I think Pittsburgh's defense 
targets might get a few more stops and that's what you're going to talk about here in just a second and I could definitely see it you know I feel like Pittsburgh's defense is probably a little more sound than Wake Forest's defense maybe not that much better but they probably maybe can get a few stops that might be all they need because I'm just worried about Wake Forest their defense isn't very good this year at all you know they could be so much better they could blow teams out if their defense was good but they're not sent to win games in these high high uh, high scoring matchups so it's going to be a really high scoring game I, I don't see a lot of I, mean, I don't see either team being able to stop the other one very much uh, and maybe with the whole game pick I've been talking about here maybe I'm making more of a case for Pittsburgh than Wake Forest but I'm going with the upset here in Wake Forest to get the job done and they would win the uh, the ACC for the first time since 2006 uh, which is pretty cool for that program I don't think Pittsburgh's ever actually won the ACC since they actually moved to the ACC but uh, that would be cool if they did but I'm going to go with Wake Forest in this one high scoring game Wake Forest finds a way to squeeze one out here and win the ACC for the first time since 2006. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I was I'm glad you brought those things, those points up about because it's it's great to see these two programs in the ACC championship. We're so used to seeing Clemson and some other team, whoever it is from the other side, that usually you won't have to talk about this game for too long because it's not going to be a very good game. Clemson's going to blow them out. Not the case this year though. Clemson didn't make it in, and so we have these two programs that have had terrific seasons, both ten and two. Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, great to see um, some parity in the ACC, which was pretty darn competitive this year. So um, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, like you said. I, I told you before we recorded that that was kind of where I was leaning because I felt like, you know, uh, with a Pat Narduzzi coach team, they usually, you know, their defense hasn't been as good as we expect with him being their head coach. And you know, they had good defenses in the past with him at the helm, but they haven't been as good as we expect this season. They've had some games where they've given up a lot of points. You know, the Miami game comes to mind where they just couldn't get a stop, it felt like. So they haven't been as physical as you expect on defense, but I still think they can get a stop or two more than a Wake Forest. And that's all you really need in a game like this and a shootout like this. Because both these two offenses are going to be able to score points, but who can get a stop when they really need one? And I think Pittsburgh can do that. So... I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here and the ACC championship to win their first, you know, ACC championship ever in, in program history, which would really be a great accomplishment for them. And Kenny Pickett in that entire program. So I do like the Panthers in that one. Uh, Pittsburgh to take the ACC and round out that college football conference championship game slate. I know we talked about it for a long time and we didn't really uh, talk about beforehand how we wanted to do that, but I think it was almost like we just felt like we wanted to give it a, uh, a lot of time because most of the time these cultural slates are good, but there's a couple of games we don't they talk about as much or we can't recap as much from the week before. But this week was a little bit different. Um, this is the conference championship week. So we were able to look back at last week's rivalry week, which was so crazy and, and so much fun. And then now we get this huge college football conference championship Saturday coming up. There's a lot to dive into. Playoff bursts on the line, big bowl games too. Just a lot of fun uh, stuff to look into. And, and we definitely wanted to spend plenty of time diving into all of it. And we hope you guys enjoyed all of that college football talk because it's going to be fun uh, this weekend. Yeah, certainly. I mean, every game is competitive. You know, these two, the, all these teams won their divisions or they're at, or the, at the top two teams in their conference, like in the case of the Big 12. So there's just really a lot of, yeah, there's really just a competitive slate here. Every single game is very is, is going to be very close for the most part. Maybe not, some of them might not be, but there's a lot of storylines to look into, as you mentioned. I just think that, like you mentioned, there's, there's always a few games maybe that are on there that are kind of quick. Right here, there's so many games and all of them are really competitive. So that's why it took a little while to kind of dive into it. Plus, there's so many different implications. You have college football playoff implications. Some of the other storylines too, especially when you have the ACC championship between two teams that have never, you know, Pittsburgh's never won. Wake Forest hasn't won in a very long time. So there's just a lot of things to dive into. And I think we want to make sure that we, you know, are diligent with it and give it our time and our respect to these teams who have made it a long ways and have great seasons and are trying to win, the, win their conferences, which is a big deal. It's a very huge accomplishment to win your conference. So it's just a lot to dive into. I think it's appropriate that we took a good amount of time on it. But at this point, we'll go ahead and move on from it. We're done with that discussion. So now we'll move on to the week 13 NFL game picks and betting advice. 
And I will preface this by saying that um, first, I mean, inadvertently in the preparation stages, we kind of revealed to ourselves that we both think we pretty much picked in t- all of the games the same uh, because we revealed that we, only, we each only had one upset. It was the same upset. So we're going to try not to be as long-winded this time around uh, because we think we ha- because we're pretty sure that we picked all of the games the same. And that actually helps out a lot too because we spent probably a little bit longer on college football than we would have wanted to. So again, we'll try to show more alacrity this time, be a little faster through these NFL game picks for you guys. Uh, and before I send over tired to get us started with our game tomorrow night, I wanted to say that my game pick record last week, I was 7-8 and eight in the NFL last. It was a tough week. I think overall, obviously, uh, losing more games than I won. Uh, things didn't work out that well for me at times, but hopefully this week we can get back on track and get back in the double-digit win column. Uh, still, though, my record on the season, 105-74, and 74, which is still uh, f- f- uh, 31 games over 500, which is uh, pretty nice right now for me. So, again, that's where I'm at. And uh, how did you do last week? Uh, I was 10-5 and five last week, uh, so I actually did really good compared to what you did. I think you took the lead from me for a moment, and I got the game's lead back just like that with a, with a three-game lead of, in the Week 12 slate, and then now I'm 106-73-1. You, of course, have a tie on your record, too, you forgot to mention, so uh, good for me to get back on track. Finally, my first double-digit win since Week 5 in the win column, so really exciting Week 12 for me. And I don't want to say we took too long in the college football picks. We, we you know, I think the college football slate was better than the NFL slate, so we wanted to make sure we gave it more of a 30-30 split this time around, so we'll try to, like like you said, uh, be more succinct with these game picks. So we'll get it going on Thursday Night Football. Number, uh, excuse me, Thursday Night Football. We, I want to say number four Cowboys because we put the seating on here now, actually, because we want to, you know, we're at week 13 now, right? So we only have six weeks left. So we want to start making it more of a impact or making more of a, a point to bring up who, you know, the where, the where the teams are laying out right now in the playoff picture. So Cowboys are a four seed right now at seven and four, traveling to take on the Saints on Thursday Night Football. Both these teams, of course, play on Thanksgiving. Both these teams lost on Thanksgiving. The Cowboys lost a shootout to the Raiders, and the Saints got embarrassed at home by the Bills. So, both these teams trying to get back on track. The Saints, you know, they just don't have enough weapons, right? You know, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara both missed that game on Thanksgiving. Uh, Ingram looks like he's going to be good to go. Not sure about Kamara just yet. Um, you know, the Cowboys get their weapons back, too. They didn't have CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper in that game. They should both be back as well. So, you would expect the Cowboys to have more offense in this game. That's kind of where I go with this game pick. Just feel like, you know, both these defenses have had their struggles this season. I feel like that can light it up against that pass defense. We know the Saints can stop the run. The Cowboys are going to try to run the ball. I don't know how much success they're going to have, but I feel like Dak Prescott can have success through the year with his weapons. So, overall, the Cowboys are just going to be too much offense for the Saints. So, I like the Cowboys to win this one to start the Week 13 slate. Yeah, and I agree. I think that if the Cowboys get those weapons back, you know, they get C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper back in the fold, that will certainly help them out. Although last week they scored plenty of points still, 33 points in that overtime loss to the Raiders. Uh, But certainly that's going to help them out a lot. You know, I first saw this game, I had like a brief thought in my mind that the Saints could potentially win this game now that they got, if they get Alvin Kamara back, that certainly gives them a huge boost to their offense. And now that they're starting Taysom Hill, maybe he gives them a little bit of a spark uh, in that offensive uh, huddle because they've been really stagnant lately with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. So we'll see how that shapes up. And I think it'll be a quality game, you know, sometimes, you know, especially this year, you never know what's going to happen. And so we'll see if the Saints can keep it close in this one. I think they can score maybe a handful of points if, the, you know, if, if Kamara is healthy, maybe they can make something happen. But I just don't know if they have enough, especially after uh, last week with their defensive show against the Bills to score enough points to outscore the Cowboys. I think she'd be able to go out there and put up some points. And I think ultimately Dallas will go on the road and get the win tomorrow night. 
The next game here is the Buccaneers at the Falcons. The Buccaneers right now are the number three seed. The Falcons are the number nine seed in the NFC. Uh, the Falcons last week getting a win on the road against Jacksonville. They got Cordero Patterson back in the fold, and he certainly helped them get back in the end zone once again. He scored twice last week for the Falcons as they were able to win that game over Jacksonville 21-14. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers got a huge win on the road in Indianapolis, a game they were losing by 10 points at halftime before going out there in the second half and finding a way to come back and make it happen. Leonard Fournette had a huge day, four touchdowns for Leonard Fournette as his great season continues for Tampa Bay. They got a bunch of turnovers, two in the second half as Colts kind of hurt themselves a lot in the second half. And really are the reason they lost the game because they really did well in the first half, but in the second half, too many mistakes, too many turnovers put them in a position where Tampa Bay could come back and ultimately get the win. So Tampa Bay 8-3 and three right now, playing good again uh, after having won two games in a row now. They're going to go on the road and face Atlanta in this game, and I think should, they should be able to win this game. I think overall offensively, they should be able to put up a good amount of points against the Falcons defense. Uh, against the Falcons defense is still pretty weak overall that they can exploit uh, around the field, so I think they can have a big game on you know both on the ground and through the air. And defensively, they probably can keep the Falcons in check a little bit. You know, we'll see what happens. I think it could be somewhat close at times. The Falcons usually play the Buccaneers kind of tough, at least over the past couple of years. And so I think it could be at least somewhat competitive, being that Atlanta's at home. But ultimately, I think that Tampa Bay is still a better team. They should go on the road, score a lot of points offensively, keep the Falcons in check, and they should be able to win their ninth game of the season. And I think they will, so I'm going with Tampa Bay. Yeah, Leonard Fournette, NFC Offensive Player of the Week for good reason. Last week, it was absolutely outstanding performance by Fournette. And that Buccaneers offense uh, certainly got it going in the second half. I did talk about when I made that game pick last week against the Colts. You know, I, I kind of made a case for the Colts to win, but I also felt like you know the Buccaneers could get sacks and turnovers. That's exactly what they did in the second half. That's a big reason why they dominated the second half. They came back and won that game. So, big win for Tampa Bay. I think they keep the momentum going this weekend on the road against Atlanta, just like you. You kind of said everything I wanted to say as well. I mean, their offense should be able to do everything they want. It feels like a game where Tom Brady's just going to be uh, carving him up uh, through the year, and then they'll be able to, you know, mix in the run, obviously, like they, they always want to do, you know, have a focus to make sure they run the football to make that play action work so well because Ron Gronkowski had a big game last week as well because the running game was was really good for them against Indianapolis. So uh, overall, they're, they're firing on all cylinders last week. I think they could keep that up. Uh, this weekend on the road against Atlanta, should be able to take care of business pretty good. Their defense should be able to get some sacks, turnovers, make life tough on Matt Ryan. I just like that defensive line to be disruptive. So I like the Buccaneers on the road in Atlanta. Next year we have the Cardinals, of course the one seed in the NFC coming off uh, their bye week at 9-2, and two, headed to Chicago to take on the Bears. The Bears um, coming off a Thanksgiving Day win against the Lions on a walk-off field goal. Still kind of a bad game for Chicago. I mean, they hung in there. They found a way to win a game against the Lions, which is good, but they're, they didn't win uh, very convincingly against the Lions. He obviously hasn't won a game yet. So the Bears, they snapped their losing streak, but they'll get right back in the loss column this week again, I think, because the Cardinals, you know, they were impressive before the bye week going up to Seattle and beating the Seahawks pretty convincingly and now they get their guys back likely this week Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins so they just get more healthy we know how explosive they are their defense is disrupted they've been really good all year their offense has been outstanding on the road 30 plus points every game right double digit wins in every game on the road 6-0 and on the road the road warriors this year as you always allude to so that's going to hold true again and this week I like Arizona and Chicago to get the win yeah, I think the 30-point streak on the road ended in that game against oh, Seattle. Oh, yeah, my bad. You yeah. know, last time we were on the road. But, you know, they still they, they could have scored 30 points. They missed some some kicks and probably could have missed some opportunities. But, yeah, Chicago really has a tough matchup here. Having to, The schedule really didn't work out well from having to play the Cardinals, who are coming off their bye week and are on the road because the Cardinals have been so good on the road this year. And certainly with the Cardinals getting Kyler Murray back, getting DeAndre Hopkins back, that certainly makes them extremely dangerous. They've done good things without those guys, and now they uh, get them back. And so certainly that's a huge story 
storyline here that they get those guys healthy again, get them back in the fold, and ultimately I think they can dominate this game potentially. Uh, Chicago just will not have enough offensively to keep up with the Cardinals or to even score on them that much because the Cardinals' defense has been really good this year. They've been uh, a big part of their team, even more so than their offense at times, and so I certainly think the Cardinals overall across the board are more talented. They've been so good on the road, too, as we talked about many times before, so the Cardinals should be able to get out there off their bye week. Hopefully they don't come out sluggish. I mean, they could, but I think they'll get it going eventually, and the Cardinals will find a way to, to go out there and get the win and go to 10-2. and two. The next game here is the Chargers, the seventh seed in the AFC, on the road to take on the Bengals. Of course, my team, number five seed in the AFC right now after that huge win over the Steelers last week as we had an, as we absolutely shellacked Pittsburgh at home, 41-10. It was one of the bigger wins in recent memory for us as we were able to absolutely crush them and now sweep them for the first time since 2009, which is so awesome. It was such a fun day for me on Sunday seeing us go do that, which was awesome. Meanwhile, the Chargers, they lost a tough game on the road in Denver where they just couldn't get things going offensively. They really struggled to protect Justin Herbert. He threw a pick six in that game. That wasn't really his fault, but they really struggled offensively and then defensively. Of course, their problem continues to rear its ugly head. They couldn't stop the run last week against Denver, so that was a tough loss for them. And so this is a game where I think it plays right into the Bengals' hands because our our kind of uh, identity over the past couple of weeks is when that formula I've talked about about running the ball, and we did exactly what I thought we were going to do against the Steelers this past week, just running the ball so well against them. Joe Mixon had a huge day, AFC Offensive Player of the Week. 165 yards rushing, a career high for him, two touchdowns as we were absolutely dominant in the running game once again. And so this game plays into our hands and that we can do that again. The Chargers have a terrible rush defense. We've been running the ball so well lately and so it really plays well into our scheme and how we've been playing since the bye week. And so I think we'll go out there. We should be able to run the ball very well again, should be able to run the ball at will. I think if we do that, that helps us out a lot, especially because our defense is playing really well lately. So I think we just once again follow that formula of running the football really, uh, really effectively. The defense can if they can continue to play as well as they have over the past couple of weeks. And this could be a game that could get out of, and this might be a game that could get out of hand if we can continue to follow that formula. And I think we will. So I think we're going to win the game and go to eight and four, which would be really exciting for me. Yeah, Chargers wildly inconsistent this season. We saw them struggle last week on the road against Denver. I don't want to take too much time on this one because you covered it all well. You're a Bengals fan. You're pretty much our Bengals reporter, it feels like at times. We're both big fans of our team, so we have a lot to cover. So I don't have to say as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe Mixon, terrific season. Uh, he's having a terrific game again and should continue. It's going to be another great matchup for him against uh, the Chargers and should be able to run it well. These are two teams where I see them, you know, potential playoff teams. The Bengals are the kind of team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. They have that formula running the ball, playing great defense, physical football team. And the Chargers don't have that necessarily yet. They have kind of struggled to run the football, and their defense can't stop the run, which you never want to have that going into December. So if they don't figure this out, uh, the Chargers might not make the playoffs either. They do. I don't see them making it past the first round, even with Justin Herbert in that high flying offense that at times has struggled. So I do like Cincinnati at home. I could see it getting out of hand, but you always feel like you know Herbert and that offense can always keep them in the game. Maybe if their defense can stop the run, but uh, I mean it's going to be a fun game to watch because it's you know two teams that are on the rise, two great quarterbacks, right? Uh, but the running game is going to be the difference. So I like Cincinnati at home to win this one. Next year, we have the Giants at the Dolphins. My Dolphins coming off another win, 33-10 over the Panthers. Just absolutely destroyed Carolina. As I thought we, I didn't think we were going to kill them that bad. I did think we were going to win the game. I thought we could make things tough on Cam Noonan. That's exactly what we did. I mean, he had a terrible day. Threw three interceptions. Uh, Javon Holland had a pick. Nick Needham had an interception. Uh, Xavier Howard had a pick. We had a bunch of sacks. The defense was outstanding. Had a block pump for a touchdown. Meanwhile, the offense was super efficient. Again, Tua had a great day. Uh, Miles Gaskin had a couple of touchdowns in the Wildcat formation. So pretty much everything we wanted to 
do, we want to do in this game. Perfectly executed, the best win we've had all year, maybe. You know, obviously the Ravens win was great, but this one was just absolutely dominant. So really fun stuff for my Dolphins. Giants, meanwhile, coming off a win, too, against the Eagles, an upset win. So they play great defense, got enough offense, won 13-7, got like three turnovers against Jalen Hurts. So both these defense coming in playing good. So we'll see how that goes with the over-under at 40.5. But I like the Dolphins in this one to get our fifth straight win. We're tied with the Chiefs right now, second longest winning streak in football. The schedule looks good. I talked about the home cooking. We've been playing really good at Hard Rock Stadium. I think that continues this week. Mike Glenn is going to be starting at quarterback for the Giants because Daniel Jones is a next train, so that should make things a little bit easier for the Dolphins' defense playing so good. And the offense should continue to play well just, you know, with the efficiency and the dink and dunk and the RPO. It's just been, two has been operating that system very well. Very clean cut. Very good operation, which I know is what we really like at the quarterback position. So it's been really good for us. We've been playing really good, and the Dolphins at home should keep the momentum going. When our fifth straight get to 6-7, and seven, all of a sudden we're like keep creeping in there with the AFC playoff picture. We're just keep winning games. We'll be there by the end of the season, have a chance. So I like the Dolphins in this one. These are two teams that are ranked 13th right now in their respective conferences, but they're not out of the fight yet, especially after big wins last week for each of these teams. And I think the Dolphins this week, you know, they're playing so well, playing like the team we thought could make the playoffs again, or not again this year, but could make the playoffs again after they had a great season last year. You know, now their defense is starting to play really good. They're stopping the run well, not having to bring a lot of pressure either to stop the runs. They're playing really well in the passing game. And they just absolutely shut down Carolina last week, as you mentioned, in that big block punt touchdown and just did a lot of really great things. So, and they've also, you know, offensive like you said they've been really clean on that on that side of the ball their running game hasn't been great but near the goal line they're trying to do more wildcat stuff which has been helpful for them because they're not very good at just lining up near the goal line and running it in like that so they've done good things with wildcat to get in the end zone so I think they're just figuring out more and more of what things what, what works for them to be able to win football games and now they've won four games by you know by like I think double or by a, well, I was gonna say more than four and a half points which is kind of a reference for later on but they've won uh, and they've won four games in a row, but they haven't been like close either they've been winning games uh, pretty well so I like the way that office been playing right now too I think the Giants you know their offense is going to struggle in this game especially if Mike Glennon's at quarterback so I definitely think the Dolphins can go out there you know talking about following a formula they have a formula right now they've been playing really well as I said lately so the Dolphins are to go out there like you mentioned a lot of things you talked about I reiterate and I think the Dolphins are gonna go out there and get the win on Sunday our next game here is the Vikings at the Lions. The Vikings last week losing that tough game in San Francisco, a game where uh, they lost Alvin Cook for at least a couple of weeks with a torn labrum, so that's a, t- a tough loss for them because obviously it's one of their best offensive players. Uh, meanwhile, their offense still put up good points when their defense could not stop San Francisco. They could not uh, really keep them contained. And Debo Samuel had a nice game uh, against the, the, against their defense, and overall the, the running game was good for San Francisco, and the Vikings defense continues to have their issues this season so far. That was And that was the main reason why the lost that game because they put up a decent amount of points but weren't able to to hold down San Francisco so they lost that game they're five and six right now but thankfully they get to play the Lions who still haven't won a game this year obviously 0 and 10 and 1 after they lost last week against the Bears on Thanksgiving because that last second field goal which was just crushing for Detroit uh and this game who knows what's going to happen Detroit may keep it close because they've been in a lot of close games this year so far and the Vikings have too so I mean you definitely feel like it could be a closer game or the Vikings go out there and play really well and and get a big win uh based on margin of victory and perhaps that's what we see. Either way, I think the Vikings have enough to go out there and get the win. Their defense has not been great this year, but hopefully they can keep them. Hopefully they can keep the Lions contained a little bit because Lions don't have a lot of talent offensively. And they lost DeAndre Swift last week to a shoulder injury as well. So who knows? He might be out for at least a couple of weeks too. So a couple of star running backs down in this game. But I think the Vikings should be able to contain the Lions offense enough, especially without Swift on that side of the ball for Detroit. And offensively, they should be able to still do some good things because they have Alexander Madison stepping in. He's a good backup runner back in the passing game they should do well too so I'm going to go with the Vikings here in this one to get the win and get back to 500 where they where they should be because that's kind of the team that they are
Yeah, they should be able to handle their business. I know you talked about it, and I agree. There's a lot of close games between. I mean, there's a lot of close games. The Vikings have been in a close game every every week. It seems like so it would be nice to see them go blow out a team at at some point this season. Though and this is a great opportunity because the Lions, we know, they had the really bad back-to-back timeouts that you know penalized them and helped the Bears end up sealing that game. So really, just an embarrassing loss at home on Thanksgiving when they had a chance. I mean, they might have lost anyway, but it was like that. Those holding penalties, they made so many mistakes, right? So it was tough for the Lions to lose a game like that. They had a chance to win. They just can't seem to close out games. The Vikings have won close games. They've lost close games. Uh, this is a chance where they can get that offense going. Yeah, Alexander Madison, really great backup running back. So I don't know if they missed too much of a beat. They should be able to go in there and take care of their business. They need to win this game. They will win this game, get back to 500. So I like Minnesota to put up points. Probably hopefully get their defense, get back on track a little bit, and get a win there in Detroit. Uh, let's move on now to the uh, rest of this late on the back sheet of our paper. Here we have the Eagles at the Jets. Uh, this one going to be interesting to some extent. I had a half a mind to pick the Jets, but I just couldn't because I was looking for another upset, right? Because I only have one this week, but I just couldn't make this one. The Jets did, you know, win last week against the Texans. They did some good things defensively, and their offense able to piece together more drives than the Texans did, and they won on the road in Houston, 21 to 14. So good for the Jets, getting their third win of the season. The Eagles, meanwhile, and Jalen Hurts was really bad, turned it over three times through the air. Uh, the Giants' defense really had their number. They just didn't do a lot offensively. They really struggled. So the Eagles lost 13 to 7 to the Giants. Just not a good game for those guys. I just can't see them playing that bad two times in a row. And I still can't find myself picking the Jets to win two games in a row. So it kind of, you know, I feel like the Eagles are going to need to go on the road and get this one. They should be able to. They've been inconsistent a little bit, but we know they were playing such good football before that Giants loss. So just, I mean, just, it makes you scratch your head a little bit because they're really trending in the right direction. But so there's no way they lose two straight games to the New York teams. I think the Eagles go on the road, beat the Jets. They should really get that run game going. Jalen Hurts is going to have a bounce back game against the Jets defense that's still very uh, susceptible to getting uh, getting slaughtered, quite frankly. So I like the Eagles to win on the road. Yeah, it was sort of a disappointing loss for the Eagles last week because they had a chance to get back to 500 and had a chance to uh, uh, put themselves in a position where they could go above 500 this week heading into their bye week, but now it's not going to happen anymore. Uh, hopefully for their sake, they still win the game and they should be able to. I don't I don't expect them to go back into MetLife Stadium and have the same result as we saw last week with the loss against the Giants. I think that they should be able to get back on track. Their running game, I think, was decent last week at times, but they could have maybe been a little more sharp in that regard. And their passing game really struggled last week, but they should be able to do better things. You know, the Jets even though they won last against the Texans, they're still not very good, obviously, and their defense has still been really poor this year. I guess we'll see what happens in this game. It, it is kind of an interesting game because of, you know, the Jets have only lost two more. Only, uh, the Eagles have only won two more games than the Jets. You know, you would think it's almost more than that, but it's not. So, you know, and especially this year when so many crazy things have happened, you know, it could be an interesting game to kind of dive into. But I, I do think the Eagles should be able to lean on the running game. And if they don't turn the ball over as much as they did against the Giants, they should be all right. And they'll protect the ball more, run it well. Their defense should be able to keep the Jets in check. I think overall the uh, Eagles should be able to go back into MetLife Stadium and this time they'll come out with a win this time against the Jets. Yeah, I just wanted to add real quick one thing I forgot to mention. That the Eagles defense, remember before last week they were able to, they were opportunistic getting turnovers and doing a lot of good things being disruptive. So I think they could do that against the Jets that'll also be a reason why they win this game. Yeah, certainly that aspect of it, too. And like I said, I also think they're going to protect the ball more because three interceptions by Jalen Hurts last week really hurt them a lot. And so this game, they should be able to go in there and make it happen, and we both think that they will. Uh, the next one here is the Colts at the Texans. Uh, the Texans, like we just said, they lost the Jets last week 21-14, to which is like, you know, I don't understand it because that was a game they could have easily won. That was a game at home after they just won a game, and they had a chance to go on a winning streak, but they just didn't make it happen. Their offense just wasn't good enough. They got sacked several times, did Tyrod Taylor, and they just couldn't make it happen. 
uh, which was unfortunate for them. You know, in a game we actually picked them to win, they just couldn't make it happen. Uh, meanwhile, the Colts, we talked about them earlier, losing that game against the Buccaneers, a game that they could have won if they wouldn't have uh, hurt themselves so much in the second half with turnovers and sacks and things of that nature. They really just killed themselves in the second half because they dominated the first half, did a lot of great things on offense, but just didn't make it happen in the second half, and they lost because of it, and that was disappointing for them because now they're back to 500. But this is a game where they should be able to get back over 500. They should be able to have a lot of success offensively on the ground with Jonathan Taylor and in the air if they want to. But obviously, we know they're going to ground and pound as much as they can this game. And I think their defense should be able to bounce back. I just don't see the Texans being able to do enough offensively to hang in the game that much. And the Colts really handled the Texans last time these two teams squared off. And so I think this time we could see a very similar result. The Colts should be able to keep the Texans uh, contained offensively. And then on their on, on the side, on the offensive side of the ball for the Colts, they should be able to do a lot of really good things, both running the ball and through the air. And so I think the Colts get back on track on the road. They get the win against Texans and go to 7-6 and six, heading another bye week. Yeah, Carson Wentz played really good last week against the Buccaneers. They ran the ball good in, in the fourth quarter with Jonathan Taylor and part of that scoring drive that they did have. So they did some good. They obviously scored a lot of points. And their defense didn't play very well and the turnovers didn't help. So certainly this game, you know, we've seen Derrick Henry run for 200 yards against the Texans, right? He's not healthy. So this is uh, Jonathan Taylor's opportunity to step in and be that guy against the Texans this year to rip off 200 in the game. You could definitely see it this weekend. Uh, I certainly thought the Colts were going to do everything they want to offensively and dominate up front. And the Texans, you know, they've been able to get sacks and they've been able to get some pressure and some turnovers, but not in this game. The Colts should be able to do, like I said, everything they want to offensively and score a lot of points. Their defense, they could probably get some turnovers and be disruptive. Uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor in that passing offense of Texans hasn't been doing a whole lot lately. So I like the Colts in this one to roll. Another game here on the slate. This one much more interesting. This is where my upset comes in. I have Washington upsetting the Raiders in Las Vegas. Uh, the Washington football team, uh, we talked about it last week. I've talked about it the week before a little bit, I think. They're surging right now. They won three games in a row, and all of a sudden they're the seventh seed in the NFC, so they're in the playoff picture out of nowhere. Uh, they've been playing really good since they're by, undefeated since they're by. They've been uh, playing really good football in terms of uh, complimentary football, which I mentioned last week. They run the ball really well. They're playing good defense. They're still, you know, uh, been able to sustain drives, which I think is what they're going to do again this week against the Raiders. Now, the Raiders coming off a win against the Cowboys, really great offensive performance. They scored a bunch of points, 36. You know, they had to settle for like five field goals too, so you, that just tells you how many drives they put together against that Cowboys defense, and they played really well. However, Darren Waller might not play in this one. Uh, the Washington defensive line is talented, and I think you know the Raiders before that were struggling, so I want to see them do it again before I feel confident picking them. Washington's been more consistent. They've been better lately. I think with the formula that I mentioned with the complimentary football and how they want to play, they've just been trending in the right direction more than the Raiders have been after just one good week on Thanksgiving. So I just feel like the Washington's the better team at this moment. Should be a fun game. I need an upset somewhere and certainly felt like at plus two and a half, this was a place to take the Washington football team. So going Washington on the road against the Raiders. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, this is a game that I think I skipped it initially because I was like, this is actually pretty close. I'm not really sure which way I want to go on this one. So I came back to it, and then I said, and then at that point, I didn't have any upsets, and so I said, I'm going to do the same thing. I, I want an upset here on the week on the week 13 slate, and I think that you mentioned it perfectly with Washington playing such good complimentary football. They've really maintained time of possession very well. They've been running the ball a lot more effectively. I think they've just gotten back to to what they needed to do to win football games. You know, their defense has been able to step up and been better, and offensively, they've been able to to really lean on their running game more, which is how they can be better offensively, because even though they have Terry McLaurin, they're not as talented on the outside, so the running game is really where they need to be better, and they have been, and so they've been playing better lately uh, since their bye week, and the Raiders, as you mentioned, they had that big one against the Cowboys last week, but, you know, 
know, they were still really struggling before that. And I feel like they've struggled at home this year for whatever reason. So we'll see what happens in this one. But I think that the, the Redskins, uh, excuse me, the, I think that the Washington football team is just playing better overall right now, as you mentioned. And because of that complimentary football and that formula they've found to help them win games, they can stick to that and they should go on the road. And, and I think they can go on the road and get the upset because of it. The next game here should be pretty quick. We have the Jaguars at the Rams. The Rams, of course, they are in a three-game losing streak right now after losing to the Packers this past weekend in Lambeau, 36-28. They really started to struggle lately, obviously, they, and that was off of their bye week, and they still couldn't get things straightened out completely. But thankfully for them, they finally get to play an easier opponent here in the Jaguars, who last week lost at home against the Falcons and now have to go on the road to face the Rams. This is obviously a tough matchup for Jacksonville, and even the Rams defense hasn't been as good this year. They're still very talented, and they're going to make really they're going to make life very difficult difficult uh, in the running game for Jacksonville. They're going to make life difficult for Trevor Lawrence. They should be able to really hold the Jaguars uh, to to few points in this game, more than likely. And I think that uh, as far as the Rams, their offense should be able to really have success. They did decent things last week. You know, Oda Beckham Jr. in his first touchdown with uh, the Rams. They had a couple of long touchdown passes actually in that game. And I think in this one, they'll be able to run the ball effectively. And they actually should be able to do a lot of what they want to on that side of the ball. So it should be a pretty good win for the Rams. Uh, with that being said, they've also had trouble over the past couple years against like the Lions and the Jets at home. So, I mean, we'll see if they if they screw around a little bit, if they go out there and really put the hammer down. Hopefully for them, the latter is the case. And I think they can win this game and they should win this game pretty handily. So I'm going to pick the Rams, obviously. Yeah, it's a pretty inauspicious place to be for the Jaguars. Facing a Rams team that's lost three straight, a team that's reeling right now in dire, in dire need of a win, and they, they just happen to be that team that's going to give the Rams their first win in a while because the Rams, let's face it, they, they beat the teams they're supposed to, and that's kind of been a problem with Sean McVay and this, and this Rams team. They have a hard time beating the other good teams. I mean, uh, in playoffs, they've had success, but then, you know, I think this year when you look at the schedule, they've beaten a lot of teams that aren't very good. So that's going to hold true again this weekend. I think you mentioned it, you know, We've heard there's reports of Matthew Stafford's, you know, banged up right now, dealing with multiple injuries, but they did have a pretty good offensive showing last week in a tough environment. Their defense didn't really play as well as you would have wanted to see. They did, you know, turn the ball over that pick six really hurt them. So they have to eliminate those mistakes. Against the Jaguars, they should be able to dominate this game on both sides of the football. They're just a better football team. They have to show that this weekend, or else it's really going to be a lot of red flags in LA if they don't dominate this game. So I like the Rams in this one, just like you. Next year, we have an AFC North match between the Ravens and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Of course, one of the great rivalries in the NFL. Uh, the AFC North is uh, the, the blue uh, was it, uh, the blue and black division, as they always call it. It's a physical uh, division. This is probably the biggest game there when you look at the physicality between these two teams. But the Steelers' defense hasn't been very physical this year. They can't stop the run, and they're just not very good right now. And I feel like the Ravens, they haven't been able to run the ball as well as they normally do. So something has to give in this game. We know Lamar Jackson is explosive. He did turn the ball over four times in that win on Sunday night against the Browns, a 16-10 uh, win for Baltimore at home. The Steelers got shellacked by your Bengals, that you mentioned earlier. They didn't look good offensively at all. Um, overall, I like the explosiveness of the Ravens offense, being able to outscore the Steelers. I don't know how, I don't, the over-under is 44. I don't think it's going to be, I think it's probably going to be around that. Overall, I feel like the Ravens just, they present more, right? They're the one seed for a reason right now in the AFC. The Steelers have struggled so far, uh, you know, at times this season lately. Obviously, they have been, you know, a bunch of points lately in the last two games they've played. So, overall, Ravens look better right now, they didn't look that good last week, but they found a way to win the game. So I like Baltimore to score more points and to beat the Steelers in this one. Their defense has been playing better as well lately, so that's encouraging. We'll see if Baltimore keeps that up. I like the Ravens on the road. 
Yeah, I know this is one game, too, where I think some people in the media have been talking about maybe an upset here, and honestly, I can kind of see it, you know, because at this point, the Steelers have their back against the wall, and maybe everyone thinks they're down and out. Maybe then they're at home, and maybe they can kind of rally and get things straightened out and keep it close and maybe win the game. I don't really see it that way, necessarily. I mean, I think it's a it's a compelling case, but I think the Ravens overall just have more uh, talent offensively, and I know that you mentioned it, too, as far as their defense has started to kind of turn the corner a little bit, which is good for them. Uh, the, the Steelers right now have, have struggled offensively, at least... And aside from the Chargers game a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if they've been as good lately as they would have liked, as they would like to be on that side of the ball. And so we'll see what they're able to do offensively. But I think the Ravens will kind of uh, do. They can do some good things on defense, make life difficult for Ben Roethlisberger, who's been who struggled last week in Cincinnati. And I think offensively for the Ravens, they were kind of they were pretty bad on Sunday Night Football. So I think they'll go out there and be better. I think I run the ball like Cincinnati did. And that's going to be really helpful for them. I think Lamar Jackson will be a lot more clean with the football. Won't, won't make those bad mistakes again. And I think that overall the Ravens should be able to. Keep it clo- uh, keep uh, keep Pittsburgh contained offensively, and then their offense will be explosive enough to go out there and put up enough points to get a good win on the road within the division. So I agree. I'm going to go with Baltimore in this one too. Um, the next game here is the uh, 49ers at the Seahawks. Uh, the 49ers are rolling right now. Three straight wins for San Francisco. Uh, they were kind of down and out. People were counting them out like you and maybe me too, but they're, but they've won three in a row. Now they're six and five. They are the second wild card team right now in the NFC on the road to take on. And they beat the Vikings last week, as I mentioned earlier, 30, uh, it was a uh, 34 to 26 was the final score in that game. Uh, like I mentioned, Debo Samuel played a huge role in that game. Unfortunately, though, he did leave with a groin injury and will probably miss a couple of games, but nothing super serious. Thank Thankfully, Elijah Mitchell was good for them in that game, and they did a lot of good things offensively, as they had been doing lately. Their defense was, was a little bit suspect, but they were able to still score enough points, thankfully, to win the game. That's great for them. Now they go in order to take on the Seahawks, who are just uh, who continue to slide. They're the uh, second-to-last team in the NFC right now, which is something that I haven't seen in, in recent years. Of course, we know they've been a great team of the past couple of years, but as I said last week, this is a lost season uh, for the Seahawks. They're 3-8 and eight right now. They lost that game on Monday Night Football against the Washington. Washington football team. They made the game close late, tied it up, but were not able to convert the two-point conversion and lost 17-15. to So again, it's a lost season for them as they're almost dead last in the NFC. The only team that's worse than them in that conference is Alliance, which is not something that you want to be able to say at this point in the season. So I just don't think the Seahawks are going to get things straightened out right now, especially against the great 49ers team that's playing really good football right now. The Seahawks are also very bad against the run, haven't been very good in that regard. And since the 49ers will be able to run the ball very effectively, their offense should be able to still do some really good things despite the loss of Debo Samuel because they still have quality weapons on that side of the football and their defense I think will do enough good things with the pass rush in the secondary containing the Seahawks who have struggled on offense this season so far and so I think the 49ers playing so well right now uh, especially and then in addition to all that I just mentioned I think that San Francisco should go on the road and get this win especially because they lost to Seattle earlier this season I don't think they're going to get swept by the Seahawks this year saying that they returned the favor from earlier this year they go on the road and they beat Seattle this weekend. Yeah, 49ers are six seed now. They've used my bulletin board material to really get on a run here. What went three or four in a row? Now they've been playing great football. Kyle Shannon has his offense firing on all cylinders, playing exactly how he wants them to, running the ball really, really well. Jimmy Grapple has been dealing, and we see Debo Samuel doing all those great things. They're going to miss him this week, but they'll be all right. They still have Ayuk, Kittle. Those guys have been playing good, making plays. So overall, this 49ers offense is really rolling right now. Like I said, the Seahawks just can't score points. And they signed Adrian Peterson, but like who cares, right? I mean, he's not in the practice squad. They can't. Run 
run the ball anyway. It doesn't matter who's playing running back for the Seahawks team. They just can't run the ball. And Russell Wilson's been struggling. They have the weapons on the outside, but it's just not clicking right now for the Seahawks offense. They just haven't been good at all. So at the end of the day, it's it's pretty easy pick, I think. The 49ers should go on the road and beat them pretty good. I mean, they're three-point favorites, so I guess uh, it could have been a bigger line. I didn't put them on the parlay. Maybe I could have. I just felt like the 49ers defense is playing good, too. Uh, they should be able to get some pressure on Russell Wilson and make life tough on that Seahawks offense. It's just not playing well right now anyway. So I do think the 49ers are definitely trending up. The Seahawks just keep spinning their tires. So San Fran in Seattle this week for me, just like you. Two more games here. We hit the Sunday night football for the Broncos at the Chiefs. Chiefs coming off their bye week, so we all know how good Andy Reid is off the bye week. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this game. It's, it's not the only reason why, but it's certainly a good one to go with. They've won four straight. I think they'll win five in a row now. And the biggest part about this turnaround hasn't necessarily been their offense, which is still kind of struggle a little bit. At times been that defense playing so well, um, doing a lot of great things, getting turnovers, being disruptive, uh, being opportunistic, which obviously is a big deal. I mention that all the time with some of these defenses because you, uh, you know give that offense extra position. Uh, excuse me, extra possessions, and they can maybe do something and figure some things out. That's kind of crazy, right? Because their offense is still kind of struggling despite the fact their defense is giving them extra possessions. But uh, overall, the Broncos, they're gonna, they, if they can run the ball effectively, keep that offense off the field, even though they haven't been playing that good, you know, they'll have a chance to win this game. But overall, the Broncos have struggled to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs have really dominated the, uh, the Broncos, you know, over the past few seasons. So I just don't see how the Broncos uh, find a way to go on the road and get a win against the Chiefs. I just don't think they'll have enough uh, to get the job done. So Kansas City off a of bye, playing so well right now. At home against the Broncos, uh, actually at home against the Broncos, I do like the Chiefs in this one to get the win and win their fifth straight. I agree. You know, the Chiefs are coming off their bye week, and as you mentioned, Eddie Reid, always very good off a of bye week. And the Broncos are coming off of a big win against the Chargers game that I think we kind of talked about last week is maybe they could win that game if they could uh, run the ball really well and, and, and keep uh, the Chargers off the field. And that's kind of what they did. We talked about that one earlier, how well they ran the football, how well they got pressure on Justin Herbert and made life difficult for him. And that was a huge win for Denver off of their bye week to get them back uh, to over, above 500 and only one game back of first place in the AFC West. So they're still in the race for sure. Uh, but I just don't know if they have enough here in this game to go on the road and get the win. I, I think that they are going to struggle offensively because, like you mentioned, Kansas City's defense has been playing a lot better lately. Chris Jones has been playing really well. Their their secondary has been doing good things, and I think they can really hold the Broncos down. Uh, I know the Broncos played well last week, but I don't know if they're going to have the same success, and so I think that the Broncos offense is going to struggle. The Chiefs offense, hopefully, they can get things going a little bit. They haven't been as good this year as we know, but maybe after the bye week, they can get things straightened out a little bit. So ultimately, I just think the Chiefs, it's really their defense, as you mentioned, it's kind of the key here because of how well they've been playing lately. And I think that they will be able to do enough to where their offense won't have to score that many points, but they certainly can. And I think if this game really shakes out the way Kansas City wants it to, they could actually win this game pretty handily. Uh, and I'm definitely going with Kansas City on Sunday night. And then lastly, we have number, uh, excuse me, we have the uh, Patriots uh, at the Bills on Monday Night Football. It's probably one of our best Monday night football games of the year. In this one, we have the Patriots, the two seed right now. They are number, they are the uh, the leaders in the AFC East at this juncture. Uh, the Bills, meanwhile, are chasing them down right now. And if they win this game, they will uh, surpass them within the division because of the same record. And the Bills will have the head-to-head win here on Monday night. I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, last week, we had the Bills uh, go on the road. Excuse me, uh, who did the Bills play last week again? It's only John Blanker. Oh, oh yeah, the Bills Thanksgiving night. That's right, it was a long time. And we talked about the Saints the first game, so that's why I kind of forgot. Yeah, last week the Bills 
went on the road on Thanksgiving night, got a huge win against New Orleans, where they really looked like themselves again. Their defense was dominant against New Orleans, really held them in check and, and did not allow them to do very much. And their offense was explosive. Josh Allen threw four touchdowns, did throw his first ever red zone interception, but still played really well. And they got the win. The Patriots, meanwhile, they took care of business at home against the Titans, really uh, did a great job defensively and then offensively. Did a lot of good things in the running game, did a lot of good things overall. Matt Jones continued to look really good. He actually threw the ball really well, too, and threw for a lot of yards. And so they continue to play really well. They've won six games in a row. Uh, and so it shapes up to be an outstanding matchup on Monday night. Uh, but I'm going to go with the home team here in the Bills. I think that overall, the Bills, you know, they know that they can get back in first place in the AFC East right now. They know they need to protect home field, too. You know, I know they know it's going to be tough when they play the Patriots in New England in a handful of weeks. So it's important for them to win this game at home against the Patriots. And I think that they will. I think that overall, their defense is going to step them in this game, be better than they were the last time they were at home against the Colts. They should be able to be more uh, attentive to the run. I think they're going to be able to stop them a little bit better. They should be able to get some pressure on, on Mac Jones. I think they'll make life difficult for the young rookie, and that's going to be hard for him. And then offensively, I know it's going to be a tough challenge against the New England, but I think they're going to find a way to do enough and on that side of the ball. Hopefully they can run the ball a little more effectively to kind of make things easier for them in the passing game because the Patriots are so good in the secondary. Uh, but ultimately, like, the defense is going to be big here in this game. It's a lower scoring game for me. I think both defenses are going to be able to play well, but the Bills are going to be able to squeak out enough points to get the win at home. And I have the final score with Buffalo winning 23 to 16. I actually don't know if I ever did. you picked the final score in this game or what. I don't know if I I must have missed that on the ESPN Fantasy. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the Bills here as well at home. I think you make a lot of good points, and one that I wanted to focus on a little bit more was that I do think this Bills defense is gonna make life tough on Mac Jones, right? Because we've seen him be so. But they put a, a bunch they put together a bunch of drives against the Titans, and a lot of good things. Um, he's been playing really good lately. Obviously, won six games in a row, along with winning streak in the NFL. Um, but this Bills defense is super talented in the secondary as well. They're physical. Um, they could do a lot of good things, and it's it's gonna be a tough test. This is gonna be his tough toughest test in the NFL just in general on the road Orchard Park you know tough place to play Monday night football against that Bills defense that can be very menacing this is going to be a tough test for this Patriots offense just in general see if they can actually uh, do good against this Bills defense and then you know the Bills offense like they've been inconsistent at times this year we know the Patriots defense is outstanding lately they were a little leaky early in this season so I don't know if that I don't know if they'll you know regress back to that at some point maybe this week they do a little bit I just looked back at last year a little bit and believe it this is still a similar Bills offense to last year Brian Dable still the offensive coordinator and they had a bunch of success against the Patriots last year offensively. And Josh Allen was able to do, do really well against New England last year. And so I think they can find some success as well, outscore them. And what shouldn't be a very high-scoring game, they'll be able to score more points. That's what it takes, right, to win a football game. You got to score more than the other team. And I do think the Bills have what it takes to do that. And you also mentioned a great point. Uh, that if they want to win the AFC East, they need to protect home field in this matchup because they haven't played the Patriots at all yet this season. This is the first time they played them. So the first time they get a chance to control their own destiny, if they win this game, they have a better record, actually. You said they were on the same record. They would have a, a, be- a better record there. They would, well, they'd be at eight, yeah, eight and four, and the Patriots would be eight and five because the Patriots would have their bye week next week. So they would take over the lead in the AFC East, and then they would have to go to New England a couple of weeks later, week 16, I believe. So that would be another huge game in this season series between these two teams. They need to win this one at home, and uh, I think they will. I do think, I do think the Bills win this game just like you do. So like you said earlier and the, you know, in the outset before we made all these NFL picks, we did have all the same game picks this week, and we agreed in, in a lot of regards for our reasoning behind all these picks. Do a little bit longer on that Monday night game because it's probably the best game of the week. So as for the teams on by, we have the three-seed Titans who are 8-4 and four and, and have lost two games in a row, and we all know about the injuries they have. They've been struggling lately, so we'll see if they can get healthy and, and kind of regroup here for the stretch run. We have the 12-seed Panthers who are 5-7, 
Panthers. Remember when the Panthers were three and zero? Now they're two and seven. Their last nine games are really struggling and look like they're not going to make the playoffs at this rate. So we'll see if they can. Um, they like, all these signed Cam Newton, like, all the excitement in the world, and they really struggled. They lost the last two games. So we'll see if they can get things squared away. And I'll let you cover those last two. Yeah, the last teams in the bye week here with the 11 seed in the AFC. The Browns right now 6-6 six and six off of that loss against the Ravens last week on Sunday Night Football where their offense continued to struggle. They've really been bad over the past handful of games, and they really need to try to get things straightened out over the bye week. You know, Baker Mayfield's been playing through a bevy of injuries, so hopefully for their sake and, and for his sake, he gets a little more healthy over the bye week, and they can try to be better offensively once they come out of it because they play the Ravens again. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. They had a, they played the Ravens in that bye week and they play them again, but they do play them again next week uh, at home, obviously, so we'll see what they can do in that game and then the Packers the two seed in the NFC right now nine and three playing great football they beat the Rams this past weekend like we said 30 uh 34 uh, 36 to 28 and that was a good win for them Aaron Rodgers right now playing with that broken toe but he's not going to have surgery on he's going to continue to play through the pain continue to monitor it and continue to take care of it in the best that he can over the course of the season and certainly admire his guts for that uh but he's been playing well it hasn't really affected him that, that much and it looked great against the Rams on Sunday so they're playing great right now nine and three they were my Super Bowl pick and right now heading into the bye week they certainly feel like they had the potential to do that my Super Bowl pick certainly doesn't look like it has potential to work out right now those teams you just that's kind of interesting those two teams play on Christmas so that's going to be interesting three four weeks from now but anyway uh that rounds out the NFL talk we can move on we we tried to pick up the pace and I think we did better you know we're going to split it in half exactly 30 30 with how long we took on college football but we were able to run through that at a, at a fairly good pace which is which is encouraging uh, we have the crossover parlays now of course which we you guys have become familiar with over these last few weeks with these episodes last week though I took a step back couldn't keep getting better I went one and three and I did get the lock right the one game I did get right was the lock of the week so that's encouraging right to get at least that one right but uh, uh, still disappointing not to have more success with the crossover parlay but we'll run it back this week see what we can do I have one in college football three in the NFL so I'll start with the CFB one obviously and it's the uh, SEC championship game I have Georgia covering minus six and a half against Alabama I talked about this game earlier I feel like Georgia's is clearly the better team on in all phases actually and Stetson Bennett he's not a really nice season at quarterback people if there's any if there's always people I like people always nitpick with him at quarterback, but he's been great for them, right? And their offense, they can run the football really well, and they can do a lot of great things. And I, I didn't want to, I just didn't, I wanted to add that because I didn't talk about that earlier. But overall, I think Georgia's clearly the better team. I think they could be favored more. It's just because they're facing Alabama, and they're not favored by more than a touchdown. So I think they can win this game by much more than just that. So. As for the NFL side of this parlay, I like the Buccaneers uh, covering uh, minus 11 on the road against Atlanta. Talked about that one earlier. Really like the Buccaneers in this one. Kind of like the, the, the Bulldogs, right? And it's going to be played in the same stadium. And they'll be able to roll in all phases of the game, especially offensively. I like the Cardinals minus eight is my lock of the week. You know, they're really good on the road this season, winning, winning every game on the road by double digits. Undefeated on the road, coming off the bobby, getting healthy at the right time. Just gonna, like you mentioned, I mean, the Bears can't keep up with this offense. The Cardinals should be able to score enough points and, and get some turnovers and dominate this game one by double digits win by nine plus to cover minus eight and then I have the Dolphins covering minus four and a half at home against the Giants Giants obviously uh, don't have Daniel Jones so that's going to hurt them and then the Dolphins defense is playing so well and so uh, I, I do like the Dolphins in this one to cover minus four and a half won four straight games as I mentioned earlier all those games having one by seven plus points so to cover four and a half seems very reasonable and like I said it's been fun for us playing in South Florida we playing really good at home I think the home cooking like I said earlier, continues. So I do think the Dolphins cover minus four and a half to round that four-team crossover parlay. Again, the lock of the week in that one is the Cardinals minus eight. As for the money total here, $85 wager on Bovada Online Sportsbook returns $1,020.71. So again, trying to get those four digits, trying to get that payday. 
Yeah, good stuff there for you. For my four-team crossover parlay, I'm still keeping it traditional with two from college football and two from the NFL. And my first game here is Kent State and Northern Illinois going over the total of 74.5. I know it's a large total, and I know you wanted to stay from the totals, but I look at some of these teams, and their offenses are very capable. I know you mentioned Northern Illinois hasn't been scoring as many points lately. I didn't really look into that that much. I just think that overall, neither defense is going to be able to stop the other the opposing offense very much. I don't think that their defenses are very talented, but their offenses are very good and they can score a lot of points. And we saw that last time these two teams squared off with the score 52 to 47. And I think this one can get up there pretty high too. So I'm not really scared of it. I'm going to go over 74 and a half in that game. Uh, I also have uh, number 15 Pittsburgh and number 16 Wake Forest going over the total of 71 and a half. So I'm really just kind of hammering on these overs. I like these two teams to score a lot of points. I talked about it earlier. I don't think that either defense is going to be able to stop them that much. I mean, perhaps Pittsburgh can get a few stops, but I still think that Wake Forest his offense is so talented and Pittsburgh's is too that they're going to go up and down the field on each other it's going to be a really fun shootout game in the ACC and I think this one goes over the total of 71 and a half it's really going to be a fun game to watch and so I have a couple of high overs there in college football for the MAC championship and the ACC championship respectively and then in the NFL, I have our two teams right here. I have the Bengals covering minus three at home against the Chargers. Uh, I was kind of didn't really know what to do after I picked. The, I'm about to reveal the last one that I picked, which is Tyrus Dolphins, like him. Uh, that was the first team that I picked, and then I was like, I'm not really sure where, where I want to go with the next one, and maybe I should than the Cardinals because the more I think about it, that seems like a good option here uh, for this week. But I wanted to go with the Bengals. I think that again, the way we've been playing since the bye week kind of plays right into our hands against the Chargers because they can't stop the run, and that's exactly what we've been doing over the past two weeks, just handing the ball to. Joe Mixon like 25 plus times been hammering it home the offensive line's been fantastic and so I think if we can we're going to be able to follow that formula it's going to it's going to be perfect for us here against the Chargers but we'll run the wall super well our defense has been really doing well I think we can get pressure on Justin Herbert make things difficult for him and the Chargers offense and I think that overall if we can do that once again like we did this past week and like against the Raiders then I think we should be able to win the game by more than three points and then the last one here is the Dolphins at minus four and a half covering that and that one is my lock of the week because that was the first game that I saw in the NFL that I really liked. I really thought that the Dolphins can do really well, and I thought about it earlier. I kind of, I kind of should thought I didn't know what I was where I was going with it earlier. But the Dolphins are on four game winning streak, but it's not like they have won any of those games like super close. They've won every game by I think seven plus points. They've done some good things in that regard, and so I like the Dolphins to cover minus four and a half. I just really like the way they've been playing. You know, defensively, they've finally gotten back to what they did so well last year. They've really done a lot of good things. I think they'll keep the Giants in check, as I mentioned earlier. And then offensively, they can continue to play well as they have over the past ten of weeks so I did offers to cover minus four and a half against the Giants and that is my lock of the week yeah I was I was gonna say real fast I won't let you get started on the NBA when we get there here very shortly I was kind of surprised that you didn't have the Cardinals on there because I know you love those guys on the road and and you kind of all the things you've you've vouched for them so much lately that I just ran along with it and took it and then the Dolphins game I looked I I was I'm pretty sure I considered it when I initially put it in there and then we were in our pre our pre prep here and I looked up and saw you were looking at the game and I thought are you putting it on there too and you were like yeah I'm like I was probably thinking the same thing so yeah, it's cool to see us have at least one game similar and we'll obviously hopefully it works out for both of us. Yeah, and last week I was 1-3 on my parlay of the week, but I got the lock right, which was the Packers, and I was happy about that. So I didn't go on 4 so I'm not flipping it all around this time, but we'll see what happens this week. If if things don't go my way, then I, maybe I will go ahead and, and flip it the next time I do it. But again, I mean, I went 1-3 last week, so hopefully now we can make more progress. And at least I got the lock of the week 
lock of the week right last week, and I'm hoping that I could do that again. And I forgot to mention my money total on this one. A $90 wager is what I needed to get over $1,000. So a $90 wager on this parlay rewards $1,058.06. So hopefully it cashes in. We'll see what happens uh, in, the, in the week of betting here. But obviously it's been a tough, tough year for betting. I think it's been a tough year for, for a lot of people. I know that we've struggled, but I think I saw a, a notification from CBS Sports that it was a really tough November for for sports bettors. It is, I don't I didn't read into it, but I think it's been a, it's been tough for everybody because there's been so many ups and so many things that have happened that have been really challenging for for people who bet on sports. So now I'm going to go move on to the NBA here a little bit as we're moving through the episode. Almost finished up here on this one. And um, I'm nice. it's nice that you're letting me get it started because I feel like every time I talk about the NBA, you start it, and then I end up having nothing to say. But right now, the NBA standings, we didn't talk about it last week, which was good because, you know, more's changed since we talked about it the last time a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we have uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets right now is the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, followed by Chicago, who's still playing really well right now with their kind of, you know, obviously they've changed a lot through the offseason, and the changes they've made have been really good for them. The Heat right now, the three seed in the Eastern Conference, the Wizards still playing well right now, still doing good things. Things are the four seed, the Bucks are the five seed, and the Hornets are the six seed, and that's in the Eastern Conference. Those are the top six seeds, which is uh, the, the the top six teams don't have to play a play-in game, and and certainly we like what we see there. Of course, Milwaukee, they're doing good things now too. They're getting more healthy. Charlotte, uh, they're they're obviously a talented bunch as well. And then you know, after that, we have the uh, four teams and the uh, that are right now kind of looking at the play-in tournament. We have the Atlanta Hawks. The seven seed, the New York Knicks, and the eight seed, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers are the nine seed, and the Boston Celtics are the ten seed. So that's pretty interesting stuff right now. But it's really kind of a, a very, a very talented Eastern Conference because even below those teams, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a talented team. They're the eleven seed right now, and the Toronto Raptors as the twelve seed right now, who have some talent on their on their team as well. So we'll see kind of how things go in that regard as as the season progresses in the Eastern Conference. And as far as the uh, Western Conference is concerned, uh, right now the Phoenix Suns eighteen and three. They're on a 17 game winning streak right now. I mean, really impressive stuff for Phoenix. It started off one and three. Maybe you're wondering, kind of, what's wrong with Phoenix? What's going on over there? And now they've won 17 games in a row. Got a big win last night at home against Golden State, who is the two seed right now. They're also 18 and three. So a couple of great teams there. Of course, Golden State's been really outstanding this year, especially defensively. And they're getting Clay Thompson back sooner rather than later, which is pretty dangerous for them. Uh, we also have Utah as the number three seed right now. Dallas is at the number four seed. And then we have Memphis, the five seed and Los Angeles Clippers are the sixth seed right now in the Western Conference. Those are the top six teams uh, in the West. And then for the uh, teams that are going to be in the playing tournament at this juncture, if the playoffs started today with Minnesota, who's been playing pretty well this year. You know, they've been they've been decent at times. Uh, they're 7-3 in the last 10 games. So it's been impressive to see what Minnesota has done so far this year. We have the Los Angeles Lakers, who are the eight seed. They've been as good this year as we've as we expected, but and they've dealt with injuries throughout the course season, but they're still obviously in the playoffs right now. The Trailblazers are the nine seed and the Denver Nuggets are the 10 seed at this moment and then after that, the last handful of teams. I just wanted to mention that uh, my Spurs, the 12 seed right now. We've got a, a two-game winning streak right now, which is nice for us. And your Rockets down there, number 15, but they are on a three-game winning streak, and it gets some good quality teams too from the Eastern Conference. Good God, man! You talked about everything. I don't even have anything left to talk about. Well, I know how it feels because that's I, how I felt when we've done it a couple of times. I don't think I've ever been that thorough before. I have nothing left to say, hardly. Now, if you refresh, there's a few things that are. Uh, I think I don't know if you when the last time you refreshed your page, so I had to refresh mine because yours was like ahead of mine by I don't know how 
how much time. The night refresh also had to yield a little bit. So some things have changed. Uh, Rockets are on a four-game winning streak. We just won again tonight. Our first road win uh, over the Thunder. We have over half of our wins against Oklahoma City. But you know what? It still counts. We're 5-16 and 16 now. We're on the come up after losing 16 or excuse me, 15 games in a row. Now we've won four in a row. Jay Sean Tate went crazy tonight. Almost had a triple-double. Had five blocks along with 32 points and 10 rebounds. What a night for Jay Sean Tate. So underrated. So talented. The second-year player out of Ohio State. Christian Wood left the game with entry and so did Kevin Porter Jr. So hopefully those guys get healthy. Um, but man, we're we're on the right track all of a sudden. We're starting to win some games. It's encouraging. You know, I mean, obviously we're still 5-16. and 16, Still a terrible record. Still the worst team in the West. But, you know, it's a long season and we're still young. We're still rebuilding. So it's and we got to win some games at some point. So I'm going to be happy about it. You know, the Rockets have obviously haven't been very good over the last, you know, season plus. Um, so it's it's got to enjoy these moments. But yeah, I go back to the Eastern Conference just so I can say a few things. The Nets and the Bucks, as you mentioned, both playing really good right now. They're both eight and two in their last ten games. So, you know, as you expect, those two teams rising to the top, um, and the Wizards are hanging around, which is cool. Uh, the, the Cavaliers have, uh, you know, they're a six seed right now. They won tonight over the Heat. So that was a good win for them because they've fallen off a little bit, but they're five and five in their last ten. So they've been around five hundred. So they still have some talent though, certainly. And so. Um, but yeah, the Hornets actually lost three games in a row, apparently, which is interesting. So I know, but then but you, like you said, they are a talented bunch. They're six and four in their last ten, but they're on a little bit of a skid right now. So we'll see if they can get that squared away. And the, the Bucks have won eight in a row, which is the second longest winning streak in the NBA, just behind those Phoenix Suns, as you mentioned, winning seventeen in a row, which is tied with the longest in franchise history. So we'll see if they can get that eighteenth win whenever they play again tomorrow night. I'm assuming, or um, if not tomorrow night, be Friday. And the Warriors, yeah, 18-3. and three, they continue. We talked about them a couple weeks ago being the best team in, in the NBA. You can make the case they still are, although they did lose to Phoenix last night, so the Suns probably are now. But it's, it's still actually really top-heavy in the Western Conference. I'd see more um, competitiveness in the Eastern Conference. You look at those top four seeds all being, you know, all having 14-plus wins, whereas the Western Conference isn't as dominant at the top. I don't know. It's pretty even, actually, for the most part. But it's because it's it's the Suns and the Warriors have those 18 wins. They're just dominating the field right now. So it is. And the Lakers are 12-11. and 11. They've been struggling. They've had injuries. They haven't been able to get a rhythm, it feels like. Um, so it's, it's it's certainly interesting to look at. Just having to see something kind of interesting here where the Trailblazers are 10-1 and one at home and 1-10 and on the road that's kind of remarkable they seem to can't they can't win on the road which obviously isn't a good thing neither can the Rockets obviously as I mentioned getting our first road win tonight against Oklahoma City so yeah you covered a lot of stuff I guess it's it's fine I've always I guess I I do know what it feels like a little bit although I don't know if I ever went that in depth but you did a good job covering it all um so you know it's certainly still early just the first of December so still a lot of NBA action but the Suns did not lose in November and so we'll see if they keep that winning streak going here into December how when, when are they going to lose again you have to wonder certainly they've been playing such good basketball um, as of late so yeah obviously a long way to go still but you know, it was every, every two weeks we want to talk about the NBA so I felt like it was a good chance to update the standings look around the league a little bit and it's been fun to watch yeah, my apologies for not refreshing that page. I mean, things were a little bit different than what I said, but just based on seedings, I didn't really go into detail about the records and stuff. So after I refresh it, some stuff moved around just slightly, but I mean, it's moving around every single day as it is. But I mean, it's still a general snapshot at this juncture, you know, two weeks removed from when we last talked about the NBA. So, and obviously there's still some teams in here who are kind of surprising maybe a little bit. You know, Cleveland's hanging around in sixth seed right now. We'll see what they can do as the season continues to progress. And Minnesota too, but it's still early. And so we'll see if some of these teams that are kind of maybe not necessarily teams you would expect it to be that good. We'll see if they continue to hang around and play good basketball here throughout the course of the season. 
Yeah, well, I do think Minnesota's been been a nice team this year. They've done some good things. They're still kind of young, right? They have some good pieces there uh, with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, and so see them at 500 is encouraging for those guys. Um, so it's definitely the, the Nuggets have been, you know, injuries have been hurting them pretty much, uh, you know, all season. I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be out the entire season after getting back surgery, which is really disappointing for them because such a good, talented young player. So they're 10 and 11 right now. So yeah, it just and there's a there's a pretty good parity in the league, honestly, right now. So I would say it's 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 intriguing to keep up with and to continue to keep an eye on certainly with all the the, the opportunity there is for a lot of teams to to stay in there early here in the season um here in december so uh that's pretty much how we have for the nba obviously it's not i don't want to say it's informal but we kind of just talk you know we, we don't really put a cap on it so we just kind of talk about whatever we want to talk about and then i guess that's pretty much all we have to say so we'll move on now and go ahead and double dupe just a really 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 brief recap of capital ones the match because i actually didn't get to watch any of it, unfortunately. I was busy on Friday. Me and, me and Austin, we both had to help our, our older brother and my dad work on something outside. So, you know, when, you're, when your dad asks for your help, you really uh, can't control that sometimes. So I didn't get a chance to watch any of it. But I did get to see some highlights and stuff, some funny moments. And Brooks Kepka dominated it uh, in, in that match, in that 12-hole match. They actually didn't have to play all 12 holes. Um, he won four and three, which you made a good point. Which we, I mean, I don't really know exactly the scoring there between the, the solo matches like that and the match rounds and stuff like that, the match play. Um, but we're, we're assuming, right, because he won by, what, three strokes with or won by four strokes with three holes to go. So it wasn't going to be necessarily, I mean, could, you know, Obviously, Bryson could have come back, but I guess when you get into that match play, that's kind of how it goes. So, I mean, Brooks Kepka really dominated the day. Um, I remember I saw he made one putt to go up by three strokes, I believe, and he was like, any questions? You know, talking some trash and stuff. So, I mean, they're big rivals, and obviously it was a big win for Kepka, and he played really, really well. Um, and so I'm, I, I wish I would have I got a chance to watch it. I did get to see, like I said, some, some, some comments and some funny moments throughout it, but I didn't get to watch the entire thing, which I would have wanted to. But it is what it is. Uh, they're not going to not, not have another one at some point there's going to be another match and hopefully I'll be, able to, I'll be available to watch that one so um, I don't know if you want to say anything I know you said you didn't really keep up with it that much either because you couldn't but you didn't really look at any highlights either so I don't know if you have anything to add at all yeah I was saying like I wish you know we could have watched it but we couldn't because there's only something you can glean from an article or from looking at highlights and stuff of that nature but I mean basically <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were looking at an article right now <laughs> no I mean I had, a, I had open earlier oh, but yeah. it's kind of like a, I don't even know what kind of website that is but this is but at any rate I mean obviously it's pretty uh, it's pretty clear that uh, Brooks Kepka dominated as you mentioned you know winning four and three like he did they didn't have to finish the thing you know only had to do nine of the twelve holes for him to actually win it so obviously that's, that's kind of the big takeaway here but I know that uh uh, Bryce DeChambeau had some big drives in the day. I know that Brooks Kepka was impressed by that, of course, playing with him. And, of course, even though the rivals, they have respect for each other, of course. Bryson has to have respect for Brooks Kepka. Obviously, he's a, a multi-major a winner. You know, obviously, won the U.S. Open a handful of times. And so, obviously, his resume speaks for itself. Bryson DeChambeau is also a, a major winner in his career. So, obviously, so obviously they have the rivals. And they don't like each other, but they have respect for each other. And uh, it, was a, it was a good match. Well, I guess it wasn't really that good of a match, actually, because Brooks pretty much dominated it. And I think they were tied early on but then Bruce Kepka pretty much pulled away and as I mentioned they had to play the entire thing uh, but certainly I, I didn't get to watch but I'm sure that it was like a fun broadcast I'm sure there were some good moments as you mentioned some banter some good laughs and of course they raised a lot of money for charity which is also which, which is what we talked about last week being such one of the best things about the event is all the money raised for charity and for for organizations for people in need so it was really cool about it as well with all the events that we talked about last week whenever we dove into it and kind of previewed it Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Bryson DeChambeau won a hole. I think Bruce Kepka won. Um, obviously he won 
you know, four holes. And then, uh, I believe, or I, I don't think he won, I think he won like four holes each by a stroke. Right. So that's kind of how he got up by, by four strokes and winning the day four under par. I think that's what it was. I don't, and I believe they were, you know, obviously even on all the other holes. So it's like, that's, that's why I said dominate, right? That's why you said the same thing. Cause that's pretty much what it was. So I guess we didn't miss a ton in terms of competition necessarily. It wasn't like it came down to the last hole and, you know, someone had to sink a putt to make a, to, to win the match between these two big rivals, but it was, they did have them, you know, pair up there with Amanda Balianos at the end uh, for an interview, which they both obviously acknowledged the respect they have for each other, but they still don't like each other very much. So we'll see where it goes from here. The Brooks Bryson rivalry always seems to have that, Obviously, he's always going to have that uh, that edge to it, and so we'll we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, we need to get. Well, I know when we're going from here, we need to get done. We need to go ahead and end this thing. So I'll let you go ahead and conclude, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up right now, but certainly looking forward to the next Capital Ones of the match, whenever that is, and whoever they get to compete. Hopefully next time they get a couple of uh, non-golfers in there. I think it's always fun when you see guys who don't play golf get involved. But of course, there's a lot of seasons going on with, with basketball and of course football season happening, so you can't really get some of those big name guys. But you know, hopefully whenever they do the next one, they get some uh, some non-golfers in there to play with some of the professionals and we get some exciting stuff. I'll say MLB is about, uh, you know, what's 1048 as we're recording right now, about to finish up, and then the CBA contract ends tonight. Nights, so they're about to enter a lockout. They don't have a new CBA, so maybe they should get a baseball player. And I don't think they've had any baseball players yet on the match. I know they usually do this in the summertime when baseball's happening, but they had it right now. There's no baseball right now. They didn't have a baseball player in it. So I'm sure there's some baseball players out there that play golf. I mean, baseball swings are pretty similar to golf swings, obviously not entirely, but the mechanics of it. So you, certainly there's probably some golf, uh, some baseball players out there that play golf and are probably pretty good at it. So that'd be kind of cool if they could get a baseball player to, to, to join in on the match, especially with a lockout happening. Who knows what's going to happen with all that? as we move into the you know, a bunch of great stuff in the MLB free agency. We're going to talk about MLB next week, and then now you got the lockdown. Who knows what's going to happen? But I just wanted to throw that in there real fast. Yeah, definitely. Maybe one day we get Tua Tungavailoa on there. He picked up golf in the offseason. He did, right? yeah, he did. He's, and he's been, he said, I think he said he shot around 90. So, I mean, and he's been, you know, obviously he's been more consistent for us lately too. So it translates, I guess, a little bit to some other degree. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny stuff. But it's certainly just looking forward to whenever the next one is. And hopefully whenever that one comes around, I actually have time to watch it. It won't be interrupted. And I enjoy watching them. And it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to watch this one to see all of what transpired on Friday afternoon. So that's pretty much it. Like Tyra mentioned, I know that he was able to do a better job than I was as far as kind of being more brief with those NFL game picks. And it is what it is. I, I feel like I've kind of struggled on this episode a little bit more. I've tried to be more quick with my analysis and stuff like that. But I still haven't necessarily been as uh, quick as I would have wanted to be, I guess, but it is what it is, and certainly I'm happy that he was able to be a little more brief, otherwise this episode would be even longer than it actually was, uh, but again, that's pretty much it for me, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks for listening once again. If you listened uh, through, through, through the entire thing, or if you listened to just parts of it, I don't really mind. I think we always appreciate any sort of listening that you give to us, and so we certainly appreciate you for listening to this episode of the Double Deep Sports Podcast. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to our podcast. We certainly appreciate it. When you guys that for us because I certainly feel like it helps us out in some capacity and also please follow us on social media again you can follow me on twitter at dupe underscore austin and on instagram at au underscore dupe 10 so once again if you guys don't follow me there please do as i'll continue to you know i'll continue to post when the episode is out there available for you guys to listen to it and i also you know if i have to ever have to post anything about the podcast that's where it'll be um 
And just lastly here, of course, I'm excited about what we have here for this weekend. Of course, we've got great action uh, in uh, college football with the uh, conference championship Saturday. We've got some good matchups still in, in, in the NFL, even though there are so, uh, still some matchups that might be a little bit lopsided. We still got a lot of fun uh, storylines and things to look at and things to enjoy. And the MLB um, situation, as you mentioned, is, in, is going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. But we've got a lot of great free agency stuff happening right now. There's been a, a ton of interesting signings already, which is cool. And the NBA continues to roll along with some great matchups here. Here on a weekly basis uh, for, for you to watch throughout the course of the week. And so certainly there's just a lot of great stuff in sports right now. Again, as we are now into December, uh, it's a lot of there's a lot of fun things to watch, and a lot of fun things to, to dive into. So I'm excited to kind of uh, watch a lot of it, analyze it and, and think about it and then be able to come back here next week and talk with you guys about it more as we continue to move through what has been an exciting and fun football season. Absolutely. You guys can follow me on social media again on Instagram at dobaggy7 and on Twitter at tdoop25. I did do a little bit better than you. It's not really, and I don't want to, I know we bring it up every week, the uh, length of the episodes and all that stuff. As man, I just want to look long term. I just don't want these episodes to continue to get longer and longer. You know, because well, we have bye weeks to help us out this time. We only had 14 games, but we have 16 before, but then we have bowl games. So, it, I mean, it goes both ways. I just I just want us to be more succinct at times. We wanted to split it a little bit more, half and half at 30 30. Um, but we, you know, we did the best that we could in that regard, and we didn't do too bad. So, obviously, this is episode's gone up a little long. Obviously, up around the time we've had, we've uh, been around you know obviously 90 to 100 minutes quite frequently lately but you know it is what it is uh, there's a lot of great action coming up this weekend we gave college football plenty of time as we wanted to with those big college football conference championship games on saturday and even friday as well so a lot to tune in in that regard the nfl not as good of a slate but there because there's only but there is you know two games this week that are uh, matches between two teams that are current playoff teams that's the Chargers at the Bengals, and then the Patriots at the Bills. So uh, two AFC matchups are the biggest ones of the weekend. So in that game, of course, that latter one on Monday night, so that'd be a great way to start the weekend with a Friday football and then end it with Monday football as well. All should be a lot of fun to watch. And the basketball season, like I said, it's, it's competitive right now. And it's intriguing to, to look into and then we'll see what happens with the MLB situations. We head to a lockout for the first time in a while and that's going to be very uh, dicey. It already put me at chiz. So Anyway, that's all we have. Hopefully, for our sake, the parlays uh, will hit this week. Uh, you know, we always like to come back, and we, we haven't had a chance to do that like hardly ever. So hopefully those parlays hit. Maybe we'll post something on the social media if we do have some success finally. But who knows? We'll definitely come back next week and get a chance to talk about it, and, and we'll come back with a whole lot more content next week. And, you guys hope you'll, and we hope you guys will join us next week uh, right here on the Double Loop Sports Podcast.